All right. Then we're going into a TFCon Toronto 2022 debrief podcast featurette, or as, I, or, or, or as one could call it, a podcastlet. It's like a littler podcast about a thing. Um, I'm joined by Aaron, who was at TFCon. That is a prerequisite for this particular yes. episode. Yes, I was at TFCon. Yeah. yeah, I like how that was just slightly suspicious enough where I'd, it'd be really messed up if I was there. But I was also like, "Yeah, Aaron, I just assumed you were there. I, yeah. I didn't. I couldn't really tell." But um, our RTFCon story. Well, number one, I should say I've uh, I've done two antigen tests and I'm clean so far. So fingers crossed. Uh, Same. Aaron, are you feeling all right? Yeah, I've I've also taken a couple tests. I don't think anybody in our small circle or even medium circle has shown anything and I've not gone fishing for the large circle so I I, th- I think it was a clean con mm-hmm. yeah I uh, I expect there like the dealer room um, people who had to be in there I suspect were probably at highest risk of any kind of stuff that, that was going on but it is nice that like we are hitting a week after the con started and so far so far so good knock on wood uh, but in our immediate circles, I, I am actually really pleased because I, I know a lot of people who have voluntarily been, you know, doing tests here and there because it's it's we're still in a in a very freaky time to 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 be doing all this stuff. And you just have to look at some of the bigger shows that have taken place in the last six months uh, to understand why a bunch of us who had a good time also want to make sure that our bodies are having a good time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to Aaron, our story actually begins. Well, your story uh, begins Wednesday. Yes. Uh so you you drove over, and uh, that's a long drive. Yeah, it was. I mean, it's the same long drive that I have every time. It's about uh, nine hours of windshield time. Uh, really made fun by just before crossing the bridge. Like I, you know, I've got the, the Google up, and I because of the way, at least right now, that it is for U.S. travelers into Canada, you have to say exactly which crossing you're crossing at ahead of time, and have all of your information filled out, all that. So I was aiming to cross the Ambassador Bridge, which is the closer bridge for me, uh, through Detroit. And, um, like, as I start getting closer, it says, oh, there's a slowdown ahead. I'm like, okay, well, I got to cross this bridge anyway, whatever. And then, like, the slowdown time went from, like, a five-minute slowdown to a 15-minute slowdown to a 30-minute slowdown to then it was giving me alternate directions. (laughs) And I was like, that, I mean, I am within, like, I could, I, I, I was there my time before the slowdown started happening was like 10 minutes to the the bridge and then now it's saying it's another 45 minutes or whatever so eventually mm-hmm. like i'm creeping forward creeping forward plus i'm on the interstate so it's not like i'm on you know some road i can just turn right and get around whatever this blockage is and so i ended up um like get up to the the next exit and they had like four police cars at an angle, diverting everybody off onto city streets. And so then Google finally was uh. like, well, then I was like, okay, well, now I realize, like, what's going on here? Because before it was just like, road closed ahead. And I'm like, it's the interstate at an international crossing. This isn't just a road closed ahead situation. This is like... Hey, the street, the street's blocked. Yeah. <laughs> um, And so then it ended up... Um, like running me up, up and around, and then like seems what like if you're looking at just like the grid of of Riverside, Detroit, it's not too bad. But then you like zoom in and you realize, oh, there's like all of these roads that are clo- that are like 
when you 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 kick layers on on your Google Maps and it goes from like it looks like these big open blocks to actually no there's a whole lot of roads that are just closed where they've just said like hey we're just abandoning these four city blocks because there ain't nothing there anymore it's all like downtrodden houses and i ended up kind of fording a stream at one point in time because the path that it had taken me across like went over railroad tracks and we were having like sudden downburst rains and uh, ended up like running a creek between all of these, and there were ended up with rooster tails on the side of my vehicle. So then I'm like, ah, I was momentarily freaked out that I'm like, no, wait a second, nobody's going to come and get me here because there's nobody here uh, to come and get me. And so then, um, and that's that's the bad come and get you. I should, yeah, I should clarify. Yeah, yeah. And so then eventually, um, get back up, get get going. And uh, got across the Ambassador Bridge. And then uh, Customs was super straightforward. I think the, the Canadian Customs guy asked me all of, like, five questions. And the standard, hey, where are you coming from? Where are you going? What uh, Transformers convention? Like, for the robots? What do you do there? I'm like, well, p- go to panels and maybe buy some toys. Oh, how much you planning on buying? And I was like, yeah, I only brought, like, 700 in U.S., so... It's got to be less than that or the wife will kill me. (laughs) All right. Good luck with that. Off you go. Uh, And so then continued the drive. Stopped at the first place that Google said was a currency exchange. And they wanted to give me 80 cents to the 80 Canadian cents to the U.S. dollar, which is opposite of what it should be. And so I said, no, forget that. Wrong. Um, Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I said, no, forget that. And uh got on the 401 and drove on the 401 until I got to the hotel. Yeah. Um so Wednesday I uh I was innocently at home getting things ready for uh for the uh, my what I wanted to bring to the charity auction primarily. Um and thinking like, yeah, it's going to be we're going to have a nice ease into this thing and and that was about my Wednesday. That moves to Thursday where uh uh Aaron, you came by, uh met up with me and our mutual friend Ray mm-hmm. and uh we had a we had a nice little Tokyo kitchen sit down. That's a, a I think the best comfort food Japanese comfort food uh, in town happens to be near me uh, at a corner I'm starting to really like. Uh, by the way, if you are in Toronto, go check out Tokyo Kitchen. They're on Charles Street near Young and Bloor. Uh, they're just off the beaten path enough that I think they need the help. So uh, go give them business if you're in town, please. Um, I, I say all this, Aaron. I assume that you like their food. Yeah, <laughs> it was good. Before I. Yeah, um, I think we all had uh, ri- like rice bowls, basically. Um, mm-hmm. I-, I will say I talk up their curry a lot, but you also got to be in the mood uh, for some curry. Um, and then uh, after that, we were going to go hit up Nani's Gelato, which is nearby. They don't need the help. They have a lineup every single day, but they're just good. But uh, they-, they were closed. They didn't open till, uh till noon or till two. Sorry, that is the next day they opened at noon. Uh, so we just, we, we bummed around, uh, we, we, we went on, not a death march, thankfully, we used things like transit, uh, to go to, um, just a couple places, we hit up some game stores, uh, hit up Kensington Market, uh, area near, uh, on Spadina, um, just went for a little, a little amble around to hit up some of the, uh, the geeky spots in Toronto, and I was just having a conversation about this today, the one bummer is that, that, as far as affordable geeky spots, it actually is kind of just tabletop gaming. If you go to the to the figure spots, um, due to various reasons uh, that have to do with the global shipping crisis, a lot of the import toy stores uh, 
whether they want to or not, can't really offer super, you know, uh, super nice prices like, say, six years ago. So it's it's a little bit harsh now when you go to the toy shops in town because it's like, well, it's better than getting stuff DHL'd from Japan, but these folks probably had to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so it's it's a little bit of a browse usually more than anything else. But you did you did catch some stuff while we were traveling around. Like I remember you found some cool blind box figures at uh, at Xtreme. Yeah, um, that ended up being and, a uh, Star Scream and a Laserbeak. Yeah, those were the uh, the Keshis, right? Mm-hmm. The yeah, little, yeah. Little blind that's boxy found, dudes. That's where I found out Transformers was doing a branding deal with Keshis. I, I had somehow just no idea. <laughs> it might have gone by the front page at some point, but I'd missed it. Uh, also... When we were in Meeple Mart, Aaron suddenly got conscripted by someone to purchase 500 Gundam kits. Yeah, it wasn't 500. It was only like 300. But yeah, no, have a have a local friend that I know does some some gunpla building. I was like, oh, hey, I sent him a picture just thinking, hey, he'd get a little kick out of it. And he was like, oh, well, do they have any uh, whatever series? And I was like, probably. Could you get po- photos of it? I'm like, oh. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and took some pictures. He's like, oh, this one, this one, and this one. I was like, oh, son of a bitch. okay, yeah, yep. So, so was, as a spectator, it it was incredible watching the escalation of this go from I'm just going to show my coworker this cool store to okay, I'm going to go take a photo. Are you? He wants to see if they have. I think it was IBO Iron Blooded Orphans. I was like, yes. okay, yeah, I'll I'll show you the Iron Blooded Orphans. That quickly escalated to not just can you find these ones? Is can you find no, number thirty three, forty one, and fifty five, <laughs> or something like yeah. that? Uh, and I, I remember the whole like like just the escalation of haha, my friend is is uh, seeing this this store we're in. To I'm now muling specific Gundam kits. Uh, yeah. Do I have regret or not? I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was that was kind of fun to watch, and we we all pitched in. We we helped find those numbered kits. Mm-hmm. The, actually, thankfully, those kits had numbers because Gundam names are all long and complicated, um, and <laughs> that would have probably been a little bit more annoying to deal with. Uh, but uh, yeah, then uh, also Aaron uh, kindly uh, grabbed my suitcase full of charity auction stuff mm-hmm. uh, to to bring back to the hotel, and we uh, also also. Uh, brought a, a a box of Coke Zero to the hotel for me, which turned out to be a godsend because of things that I will be talking about in just a few minutes from now. Um, and uh, we we had a, also a lovely uh, lovely dinner with Ray. Ray Ray did us up some steaks. Steaks? Uh, and was and, really cool. And uh, 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 scramble to change from baked potatoes to, like, home fries that I think the home fries were were a better option than the baked potatoes once everything was done because that mm-hmm. steak was just was just so buttery and the home fries gave some crunch and it was it was yeah i'm going to say that's probably the best steak i've had in the greater toronto area yeah i think to get near like also that was homemade so that inherently yeah. right has a certain level of quality i think if you want a steak that is going to outdo that and uh, and this is a compliment this is not like, like basically you'd need to go to like barbarian steakhouse uh cuz they've been around since like the 60s or 70s and that's their entire thing is is the super high end steak experience they also are incredibly expensive <laughs> so mm-hmm. 
you'd, you'd need to know what that you're getting into that. I've, I've been there once or twice. It is kind of a neat place to go to because it is a little, it's a little off the beaten path of Young Street. And then when you, it, it doesn't look like much from the outside and you go inside and it's like suddenly you're in like late, like early to, to mid nineties, high end steak dining as far as like the decor, mm-hmm. uh, like, you know, dark red and brown everywhere. Um, it's, it's kind of neat. But, uh, no, it was really cool, um, and uh, Ray was very kind to prepare all that for us. Uh, whilst I taught and played a game of Skulls of Sedlick uh, against Aaron, which was fun for me, because yeah. I've been playing games by myself for two years, so feeling like I can actually share that experience with someone is always exciting to me right now. <laughs> yeah, it was... Didn't have to slap your hand and say no, both of us get to play too many times. Yeah, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I successfully taught the uh, multiplayer version, too. Yeah. Uh, although I, I initially, during setup, was setting up the solo version because I forgot there was a difference, and I played a lot of Skulls of Sedlik by myself, so I was just on autopilot for a second. Uh, and I was like, oh, wait, no, I get to make six piles this time! <laughs> and I can I can build a hand! Like, basically, the, the, the game involves having a hand of up to two cards, but in the solo mode, you don't have a hand of cards so I, for a, a solid minute and several times throughout the game, I kept forgetting I had to use my hand of cards to play things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, well, it, yeah, it you, also you gave spe- me you a You specifically much... had that comment of like, ooh, it, like, you know, because it's the you know, playing with somebody else there and then there's c- competition of like, uh, do I risk leaving that behind and have Aaron pick it up or see what Aaron's yeah. doing and see if I can do something with that? Yeah. And it was really cool because as a solo game, it is just a really fun puzzle to solve, uh, like a variable puzzle. And but but playing against you, uh, solving the puzzle was not as top a priority as as also considering your next two moves because you're you, you, in the solo game you play cards right off those piles into your mm-hmm. little stack of cards. Uh, this time I had to think about, no, I have to pick that up. And if I have a card in my hand, I can't pick up something again. Yeah, it was really cool. I, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, going to talk probably a little bit more about some tabletop games. Cause that was, that was not a backbone of our, of our weekend, but it was a common theme of our weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, also, you know, there's, this is TV, so I'm not going to go super deep on it, but I got to see my first episode of, of, uh, of the, the Star Trek everyone likes strange new worlds. Um, because uh, there was a new episode, and, and you and Ray are, are hard on that stuff, so I got mm-hmm. to chill out and and just take it in from uh, from the sidelines. The in, the the opening sequence is really cool. Uh, that was the main thing I was told going in. Um, and uh, yeah, after that, headed back home, and I thought, all right, so Friday it's going to be nice and chill because I can just get my luggage together. My plan on Friday was on Friday, I'm going to meet up with a couple of folks uh, who are going to ride share over from the hotel. We're going to have dinner at Tokyo Kitchen again, or lunch, sorry, at Tokyo Kitchen again. Uh, I'll grab some cash, uh, head back to my area, I'll grab my, my duffel bags and throw them straight into a ride share with these two, so we'll triple split a ride share. Super dead simple. I wake up Friday, uh, Rogers, some, Rogers pushed an update to their service on Friday morning and uh, destroyed their, their network. Um, Rogers is one of the, they're part of the threefold monopoly of Canadian telco companies that control everything in Canada. Uh, them, Rogers going down taught me and a lot of people that Rogers is not just associated with our debit interact system. Rogers is our debit interact system. Um, so I woke up, thankfully I had, I had a different provider from my home internet. So I had internet connectivity. Uh, my phone didn't work anymore. 
and uh, I could not use any debit machines, and I double-checked. My bank, specifically, uh, was too tied to Rogers to work um, with any of their debit machines. So uh, I had no cash, unable to pay for anything properly, and if I left my home, I would lose all connectivity. Uh, so, and, and also, I had prepared with like the idea I was going to put two duffel bags together that were going to be too heavy to carry at length you know, through the entire transit system, but whatever, I was just going to throw them into a ride share, and then I'd transfer their contents to that rolling suitcase I gave to Aaron, because everything in that is for the charity auction. Uh, so instead, I spent most of my Friday just kind of, like, getting progressively more stressed out, trying to figure out, like, how do I rejig everything I was just doing, uh, while also making sure I get there in time to do a panel at 530? <laughs> uh and so, thankfully, uh, Aaron, you and Ray uh, just drove over here and picked me up, and I'm still very grateful for that, because uh, I, was, I was absolutely not looking forward to trying to figure out how to get uh, there transit-wise without a rolling suitcase. Yeah, so... Uh, I, don't, I don't have good knuckles for carrying stuff that's heavy. Um, my morning started out with, uh, why the heck isn't the internet working here? What the heck? Why can't I get a decent cell signal? Ugh. And then, like, turning on the hotel TV, but it's, like, weird old-style digital cable that takes, like, two seconds between channel flips. I'm trying to find anything, and I'm just like, eh, I don't want anything to do with this. This is dumb. And so then I end up, you know, getting my butt downstairs and start seeing TFCon people like, hey, hi, how's it going? And they're like, do you have internet? I was like, no, it just (laughs) keeps trying to get me on TELUS, but I get, like... 2G and I can like I can find out that I have messages. I can't see what those messages are but it keeps telling me I have some and they explain <laughs> like Rogers and the whole like Triopoly thing and how it's how Canadian internet's just eating itself and uh, I was like oh well that's probably problematic isn't it uh, and so then I had been keeping track with mm-hmm. Rave where he was and finally he gets there and we we're seeing you just have this Slow, quiet meltdown. I was like, how about we just go get Chris? And he's like, okay, you know, drop stuff off and then turned around and headed that way just because we knew that, like, hey, it's everything else is potentially going to implode. If if I can pull one person out of the fire, that's worth it. So, <laughs> yeah, that was that was yeah, our I was side like, of, of that expedition. Just Just to communicate how, like... I'm not going to use the word terrified because I think like that's overstating where I was at, but how disturbed and worried I was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like, okay, if I leave my apartment, and I get onto transit. If at some point uh, all my cards I have with me stop working, I also have no way to contact anyone from where I am. Uh, and without data, I have no way to call a ride share. I have no way to, to, to do anything. I have no way to PayPal someone from my phone. Uh, and uh, it, it was it was really freaky, and like there like there was a lot of conversation about like you know this is what you, you know you younguns get for being so tied to your phones, and it's like this this is what we interact debit system get for being so tied to a yeah. single point of failure private company, my man. It's not it's not about the kids playing mobile games. Uh, yeah, and it was also definitely, it's worth, it was it's definitely worth one thing kept being that itch of like, oh, what, I'm not doing anything for 15 seconds. Let me look at my phone. Oh, no, okay, okay. What else am I going to do? Oh, I could, I yeah. could look at my phone. No, it's still not working. <sighs> Why have you forsaken me, internet? And when people are like, oh, you should, you should. This is what you get for relying on your phone. It's like you know, if I knew there was going to be a web blackout, uh, <laughs> the, yeah, I would have brought a book. Sure. 
Um, but uh, no, the the thing also worth mentioning is, Aaron, you did do your currency exchange stuff on Thursday. So yes, uh, this is this is where I share the other really funny part of all of this. We all started to turn into like these um, these these multi body entities of like someone has phones, someone has internet, someone has data, and one of us has cash. As a unit, mm-hmm. we can function as one human in this scenario. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, and you having cash, I think was probably, um, a, like, I don't think it ended up being mission critical, but it was a massive safety net knowing that someone in our little group, if it comes down to it, is able to throw a bunch of twenties at something if it needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we could sort of, and, and, you know, I, I knew from experience, like the internet will come back. They didn't sync their own satellite. They pushed a network, uh, they pushed a system update on a Friday morning, which as I, thought I remembered and then saw all over Twitter it was true like that's literally the one thing you never do with a system update mm-hmm. um, so uh, once I get to the hotel the hotel is able to check me in it just takes a very long time because their whole system was down um, or at least all the critical parts of it so they had to make do with older systems therein um, but then you know, everything kind of kind of kind of settled back in because once once that happened I was like okay I have snacks in my room. I got thankfully a bunch of a bunch of cola to give me uh, the caffeine and the serotonin. And worst case, I can always like charge a meal to my room because that that line now exists here, uh, which I didn't end up doing. Um, I, I forgot if that was the day that I Uber Eats or if that was the next day. But uh, then uh, then we hit it into into like actual convention happening. And uh, also all credit to all the TFCon folks. They were able to make stuff work too amidst all this by again creating multi-human uh, globules of of mm-hmm. connectivity, um, because there was a charity auction coming up, <laughs> and uh, and a lot of like a lot of people were relying on getting some cash on Friday just you know, from travel logistics or or you know lack of not even lack of planning just lack of time to fit in getting to their bank on a Thursday or beforehand. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, so we headed into what what then began as the show, and uh, I met up with uh, with Hawkhammer and Bill Moo, who are two folks that are doing a lot of work on uh, Transformers TCG uh, in its current community driven state. And we had a fun TCG panel. Uh, it was a short one, and uh, I definitely, my, if I had a snafu, it's that usually I plan around panels being f- like forty five minutes in a one hour block. When we were given a half hour block, I was just like. I completely blanked past it, and I was like, yeah, 30 minutes, because that's less than 45, so it's fine. Um, so we, we ran a little bit heavy into our time borders, but it still worked out. Uh, that panel uh, is probably up now, if you're hearing this, because as of this recording, I've already done about 80% of the editing. Um, I do need to give multiple times huge thanks and credit to, to Paul and Evan and all the AV team uh, magicians uh, therein. Um, because uh, they they are a joy to work with, and they help me out uh, a whole lot with getting the best footage, um, so that my recordings are in fact just safety redundancies, as I would like them to be. Um, but uh, the TCG panel was a, was a pretty good time. Uh, set up the TCG room, and then basically I I I checked in, ran my stuff upstairs, ran back down to do the TCG panel, ran back upstairs again to actually unpack some things, then ran back down and did my second panel uh, that I was taking part in, which was Matt McNally's uh, five-person roundtable, uh, best of. We've done a couple of them. This was best Transformers opening. 
my uh, my submission was uh, the Q Transformers opening, uh, which is the most industrial theme song Transformers has ever gotten. Um, and during this panel, we had some tech difficulties. So usually, Aaron, I go first on these things because often, like, I'm I'm happy to kind of do a bit more of a silly presentation uh, and kind of like you know spark spark the fire a little bit and just get get the audience you know into whatever's going on. Uh, then my video starts to play and uh, the audio isn't working off of off of Matt's laptop. So I had structured my slides to kind of be like a bit of a funny lead-in straight into the song by kind of just saying the lyrics as bullet points. Then the song that isn't playing. So uh, I don't. I have to look at the footage. I don't even remember precisely what I was saying. I just activated yes and mode and kept talking while they were sorting out the the tech issue and then when i thought it was fixed it wasn't so i was like i was and and amidst all this by the way on friday the charity auction setup was happening in front of the panel the panelist mm-hmm. table it was super easy for people to just disengage from the panel that was happening uh and i made it my mission to try to fight against that in both panels i was in by shouting a lot um so by the end of friday my throat hurt <laughs> Uh, and during, during that tech issues period, uh, I was, uh, just going at, at full 120% output. Cause I was like, I am not, we are not having a moment of silence while these tech issues are sorted out now that we started the panel. Uh, and it worked out in the end. Uh, it did get sorted out and, uh, all five of us, uh, we, we, we debriefed after we all had a pretty good time, uh, doing panels with charity auction table set up in front of us was an, a, a non-optimal scenario. Um, yeah, we. But I, believe, I mean, we've done believe, that before for the the lead off panel. Uh, in yeah. years past, and it's all it's like I want that to be going good, but I, I think it's also like the people that because this time seemed like they had quite a few people that were coming in to just like rummage through those bins because uh, there were a couple of people that just like oh, here's a bin of toys to donate, whatever. Um, and like mm-hmm. there were people rummaging through those bins, and it was just like I don't, I don't want to be like yo time and place, dude. But like y- yo, it's time and place, dude. Yeah, uh, like we we did have like some conversations just of everyone who was in the room, um, and it, it seems just like like this is this is um this is the good part of this. There were probably more fan panels this TFCon than like ever before, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, what a great way to mark the 20th anniversary of the show, right? Um, but it also meant that, like, th- there were unforeseen logistics to deal with on Friday of, of fitting some of those panels in and fitting in the charity auction uh, stuff. So it's 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 all part of, you know, learned experience. Like, now, okay, we've gone through this. We know that it is pretty chaotic having uh, even two or three people having to run around to set up that table beneath a panel that's trying to happen. Like, it's like everyone's in everyone's lap, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh so um, that, that if if there was any negative on Friday, panel wise, it was that. But I think that that as far as I know, we all did come out of that panel still feeling we didn't feel like it ruined the panel. You know, we 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 made it work, uh, and that's the important thing. Um, and then uh, yeah, I, I I should say I donated a bunch of stuff and and uh, was very kindly given a fair amount of of tickets. Uh, so I just put them all into the black Zerak uh, prize draw bag. They they had a thing where if you donated toys, you'd get raffle tickets, and you could. You could pick which which raffle prize bag to put your tickets in. So I was like, I'm just going to hedge bets on Black Zarak because that seems cool. Uh, and I, I didn't get it, but 
that's fine because the the best ending possible happened for Black Zarak, which was uh, Aaron. Were you in the room for this? I can't remember. Yes, I was. Okay, okay. Yeah. I was sitting by myself in the back. Basically, here's my mindset. I was like, I'm going to chill out. They're doing these drawings. But as soon as the drawings are done, i got to run over to the TCG room so I can get at least one game in before the night is over. So I feel like I, I touched everything. Um, so uh, I was at the back of the room with uh, with, with uh, Mike. And uh, so th- there is a fellow who, who classically, as, as was described, like donates tons of stuff for these charity auctions. And he had put in you know the most stuff for the auction this year as well. Uh, and he had won, did he win one before Black Zarek or two before Black Zarek? He won two before Black Zarek and did the pull for Black Zarek. And said, yeah, and if, it was, it was if, said if to him. If I end that, up pulling it, just toss it back in. And then, and then he, he pulled it. Yeah. And he, and he tossed it back in and Black Zarek immediately went up as the first, uh, auction in the charity auction and sold for, for, uh, round retail, 220 bucks. Uh, mm-hmm. straight into straight into uh, Make-A-Wish. So that was pretty freaking cool. And I was like, yeah, I'm not... I mean, I can't get mad about how a raffle goes anyway, right? It's still... No matter mm-hmm. how much I hedge my bets, it's still random. But I was like, I'm also double not mad because that's the best possible ending for this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, for if sure. people didn't lowball it either. Um, yeah. So, uh, But yeah, after that, I, I, I checked out. Um, Aaron, did you stick around for a whole lot of the auction? I did. I stuck around through most of it, and there was some pretty good aggressive um, bidding going on. As standard, like the first ultimate fan package um, thing, that one went for for a good amount the whole time. Ian saying, like, there are at least three others of these. What are you people doing? Um, uh, And then (laughs) at least three others came up, and those all went for decent amounts. Um, there were, uh, there were some good, uh, bits that were going on. I think there was a bunch of sign stuff that didn't actually move. Um, you know, off topic, you know, sure. It's a great signature, but it's of some wrestler that's passed away or something, but it's not like there's a ton of crossover, I guess, um, between the Transformers convention and, and wrestling fans for signatures. Uh, and then, yeah, it went through some things, mm. went through some, like, shout out what you want us to auction. And then uh, after that, it ended up going to, um, like, the Let's Make a Deal scrum when then, like, 15, 20 people all go up and die for the, like, four or five things they really wanted and then tried to make a deal. And it was, like, right at that, I was like, ah, I'm going to get out of here without actually having gotten anything this year. So and there were things that I bid on that just... Like, I was frequently, like, the third to last person out where it wasn't me side-eyeing somebody else trying to figure out who's going to flinch first. <laughs> but getting, like, just past what I'd want to pay for it and two other people that were, like, standing up with their cards high in the air. I'm like, okay, those guys have a whole <laughs> lot more more gusto over this than, than what I'd have. And it was, like, later on I was sitting there going, oh, this kind of went for hot. Wait a second. Canadian exchange rate? Oh, I probably should have hung in for a little while longer. Oh, well. So in some of those cases, if you were one of the last three, you still you still did something great for the kids, which was you kept that auction high, mm-hmm. uh, which in, in only in a charity auction scenario, I would say I'm really cool with that, where it's like, I'm going to keep holding this up. I'm probably not going to win it, but I'm going to make them pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I don't I'm, I don't know precisely who, but I know for a fact I know for a fact there's probably a little bit of that going on here and there. 
Uh, but all yeah. in good fun, I should say. Not, not anything see. malicious towards against? any. Oh, screw that guy. Keep this card. <laughs> I know you want this. Um, I did did catch, because uh, a lot of the stuff in the charity auction that I put in, um, there was some Transformer stuff. There was also a lot of, you know, off-topic stuff where I was sure, like, that's probably not going to go up during the auction proper. Um, but hopefully, you know, it still goes. Uh, and I, I did have a Transformers thing in there, which was a uh, Silver Knight Optimus and Grimlock 2-pack. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was informed it went for, I think, like, 70 bucks. Uh, and that's pretty darn cool. That always makes me feel good if the thing I put in there, like, clears 50. Then I'm like, hey... Like that's mm-hmm. that's close to triple digits. That, that's the scale I operate in with with yeah. that sort of stuff. Well, I but, mean, they ended up raising over ten thousand dollars, so they provided a wish, basically. So, yeah, um, that's that's awesome. That's good. Yeah. Hmm. Um. Yeah, I don't know anyone else really. Uh, the only other stories I think I got from the charity auction was uh, uh, General Techno's uh, Slipstream Custom uh, apparently went for a decent amount. Um. And I I'd, I'd seen some photos of it, and that thing looked pretty darn cool. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I really like I really like the charity auction as a place for customs to move, uh, because it, it really does feel like it's treating those customs as you know proper art pieces, um, which you don't you don't always get when it comes to customs, right? Um, but uh, while that was all going on, I did I did go to the TCG room, and uh, I believe it was Friday. I'm pretty sure I did my first uh, teaching someone how to play the game, uh, and that was really fun. I, I did that actually. I didn't do it more than playing games, but I did teaching a lot more than I thought I would uh, over over the course of the weekend. But the first one on Friday ended with them picking up their phone and joining the TCG Discord channel right after we finished, and that felt really darn cool because uh, we'd mentioned that uh, this game is playable in you know tabletop sim now, and they were like tabletop sim, I got that. Let me join your Discord. It's like hell yeah. Um, and uh, that was also a good start to kind of my main activity for the show this year, which was the TCG room. Um, which uh, I guess that, that, uh, want to cycle over to Saturday then, uh, off of that. Yeah. I'm trying to think if anything else really happened for me Friday. I think I ducked into the TCG room for a little bit. Uh, I think I watched you finish with that person that was like, here's my phone. What's the discord. And, uh, well, yep, that was probably and, them <laughs> and shot the breeze there for a little bit. And then, uh, was, was late and I'm old. So headed up. Well, it was also, Friday was exhausting for, I think, literally everybody, uh, mm-hmm. because of the Rogers issue, and, and, yeah. um, I think I, I think I hung out in the lobby a little bit, like, I ended up, I ended up not sleeping much over this weekend, uh, I mean, it's a convention, surprise, surprise, but I, I was actually really surprised how little I was sleeping, uh, this, this con, um, not, not for any real bad reasons, I think I was just like, I had, I, I, when I slept, I slept really well, I, I a very comfortable room, but I was, uh, I was really, really hype to uh, to hang out with with uh, fun folks, many of whom I haven't seen in a while. The, you know, the the December convention was as it should have been, very low key. Uh, in fact, I kind of I would love to have more of those in addition to these normal events because that that was fun in of itself. Um, but on Saturday, uh, I, I did go to the dealer room a little bit. I went there in the morning to try to secure one or two things. Um, and I, di- I think I did all of my purchasing on Saturday, so I wouldn't have to think about it Sunday. Um, and also, I didn't have tons of money going into this TFCon, so I was I was keeping it... I'm not going to say low-key, because I, I, I still bought, like, three things. But uh, I, I knew I, I wasn't, like, going to be wandering the dealer room a ton. Mm-hmm. So I spent a lot of time in the TCG room. Uh, 
And and like I was saying, I I kind of thought I was going to get to play my own decks a lot more this year, but that the the reason why I didn't was only a positive reason. We did a ton of new player introduction this year. I was flabbergasted and astonished how many learner decks we were giving out because the way we did it is um Bill Moo Adam has made uh four kind of starter lists and uh so between uh, himself and and Hawkhammer they were just building copies of those four lists to have available in in piles and it's like hey you want to learn the game uh, pick one of these decks whatever you think is looks cool and when we finish it's like hey you can keep that deck by the way because it's it's primarily like you know not not terribly hard to find cards um and a lot of those decks were given out and it was it was so cool to to like just see lots of people discovering this game uh, which is only really discoverable now because of all the community efforts to keep it discoverable. Uh, and uh, it, it it creates not a sense of ownership, but it creates a sense of like of just really positive vibe around around the Transformers TCG as it is now. Um, but I did get to play some games. Uh, we did two Unicron raids on Saturday, uh, and I got to play uh, a little bit of my decks that I that I had built. Um, I played uh, three games with uh, Hawkhammer and Bill that I recorded, and a, a couple more around that. Um, I didn't get to play, like... I got to play all my... I think at least six games, because I played all the decks I built at least once. But uh, I, I thought I was going to be playing them a whole lot more, or having to lend them out. Um and there were a few little bummers where I did recognize some folks who came in, and I just never ended up getting to play them, because whenever they were in, I was in the midst of a teaching game, or was, like, about to, to run up to the room for something. Um, so, uh, I, I just had... That, that was most of my Saturday, honestly. I was in that TCG room pretty much from morning till evening, um, just hanging out, doing all that stuff, and uh, it was very fun. Um I got I got a, a specifically something that I only really a couple things I only really got to do in there that I haven't been able to do digitally. But uh, before I get into that, Aaron, um, so I was in that room most of the day. Uh, you were out and about for a bunch of Saturday, right? Like you hit in the dealer room, etc. Yeah, I did a couple laps of the dealer room, and it's something that I said then. Um, like it, it seemed like they were that like there was something missing from the dealer room just from volume wise. Um, I know that there were a couple of the, the like bigger vendors that just couldn't make it or weren't there, um, you know, crossing the border with a bunch of inventory is probably still kind of difficult right now. Uh, that sort of thing. And then it was like, it was like the, the big TF source table had um, like most of what I got. I, I got a bunch of the iron factory, various guys, um, and then, like looking around, there there wasn't anything that was quite drawing me out. Really, it 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 was it was odd because normally in a dealer room, I'll walk around and be like, mm, uh, "Yeah, that'd be really cool." And so I don't know if that's a change in what I'm going for or just a change in what was in the room. Because um, I was also like kind of expecting to see like Motormaster there. I didn't see a single Motormaster. I didn't see anybody like outside of the convention outside of the dealer room with a motor master even though they've been showing up i saw a couple of geaxes geaxes geaxi jack did oh i I didn't see a single one of those that guy yeah (laughs) there were i i handled somebody's uh at one point in time um while i was hanging out uh friday in the customizing classroom um but like normally it seems like you know whatever just hit before TFCon, which, uh, I mean, there have been sightings of 
of Motormaster for a little bit now uh, in the U.S. at least. I was expecting to see some of those and thought, hey, maybe that'll be the stupid convention get, I think, you know, um, and didn't see any of that. Oh, yeah, that yeah. I, I, maybe that would have been with I a think, TF I think Source it's... or something. Or not a TF Source, was that Chosen Prime, maybe? Since they'll sometimes yeah, yeah. latest and greatest things. Whereas TF Source well, and, and, and the bulk of them third party and, and like, uh, a, stuff. a bulk of the Motormasters were, were popping up in uh, in the UK and Australia as well. So I, I like I know a few were in the States, but I suspect there there just might not have been enough to make like with with travel still being a little bit complicated, it, there might not have been enough mm-hmm. to, to trickle down. Um yeah. or up, I guess, trickle up. <laughs> over? Trickle uh, trickle yeah. over. <laughs> um uh, but yeah, I, I, I was was definitely trying to figure out what was like the different feel of everything, which I mean, one nice thing is I think um as much as I love the location, I think if TF cons get back to the pre pandemic large size TF cons that that can that like that convention hall area is just too small. Um you know, this this can mm. dealer room wise felt more like the older ones where you weren't constantly knocking shoulders with people, you know. If you were in there in the peak times, it was, it was enough that you were like that. Now, COVID personal space bubble was being violated, but not like the old yeah. uh, convention flo- show floor uh, pre-pandemic bubble was was violated. Like that, that range was still okay, but it it was definitely like you know it could it could be like fifteen twenty percent more crowded, and it, I'd still feel okay in this covid world if everybody was wearing a mask and not the was it you that told me that there were reports of some yeah. dude just like <laughs> lifting up his shirt to sneeze into like the bottom of a shirt then exposing his whole abdomen is like Brah. like even even without a pandemic man come yeah, on I, you got the, you got your shoulder you let, got your let, elbow let you got I'm, your hand well I'll, I'll be fair Th- these were all third-hand reports that i did not witness myself uh, under the context, I also was spending 80% of the convention in one room doing a thing mm-hmm. because I will say the TCG room was also just a, a it was a per, it was perfect for me because I was in the dealer room on the morning of Saturday and I was not enjoying being in there with that many people. And I, I kind of made my way out as fast as I could. Uh, it was nice having a chill room to play a game I like playing uh, where the even even like really, really heavy activity in that room. Is would would top out at like maybe twenty people, um, mm-hmm. and that's good numbers too. That's that's not even saying like oh twenty is not that much. Like good numbers for a TCG room, still pretty chill. And and being able to retreat there and feel like I actually have a thing to actively do here was was really nice. Because yeah, I heard third hand about some sighting of someone who lifted up the belly of their t shirt to sneeze into it. Uh, which yeah, pre- like pandemic situation or not, it's kind of like you probably shouldn't do that. <laughs> Is what yeah. I would say. I don't. I can't even get mad. I'm just like. I'm just like. You probably shouldn't. That, that can't feel comfortable. Like afterwards with the. You know the the splat or whatever. Yeah. Ugh. Potentially Ugh. being there. Uh, like you know sticking on your gut like that. That probably doesn't feel great. Ugh. And uh, I also know of someone who said that they they had someone next to them while they were sitting in a panel who leaned to cough into his elbow and very much missed. Um, yeah. While coughing in the person's direction, and the, the person in question left the panel room and immediately washed their shoulder a whole lot. Uh, yeah. 
Uh, All right, it, yeah. let's time to go back to the room, toss those clothes out on the balcony, and if they fly away, well, that's the price you pay. Yeah, and I tried. I try to be fair. I, you know, I've always tried to be fair about stuff like you know the personal hygiene thing or everything. It's just like these stories in particular just made me. I couldn't even be mad. I was just like, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't understand. I don't understand. Like, <laughs> you had two years to learn how to cough into your elbow. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, so yeah, the, but I, I should say I witnessed nothing gross myself. Um, which which made me pretty happy as far as you know, like that that stuff. Um. Uh, everything else was, was about on par with the last major toy show I saw a few months ago. Um, as far as like ratios of, of, you know, X, Y, and Z. Um, I'm trying to think what else on Saturday. Um, is that, that's definitely when we did some Uber eatsing. Cause that's, that's when I got that Meltwitch stuff in at like midnight, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah because that's, was, that was the night that we played the T no. Pandemic CCG? Iberia or the or the CC, the CCG? Yeah, that was yeah, that was Pandemic Iberia in the lobby. Yeah, uh, you and Ray played the deck building game in the TCG room at one point on Saturday, mm-hmm. um, w- yeah. which which confirmed to me that that game's current printed state, which I think is ending, and they're going to have a new rule book in the next print print run. You, uh, you do, so. you really need to like that game is infinitely easier if you have someone there who's played it before. Like when we played three player. I felt like between mm-hmm. me playing a lot of solo and, and you guys having like I overheard bits of it while I was doing teaching games in the, in the TCG room. Like you guys were fighting that game to make it work. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Like it's it's having played um, the the deck building games before. Like I I I know that I get that I grok that system, but there is like. A, a lot of like the the rules combination like blocking okay how do you block and you you sit mm-hmm. there and you look for where does where okay where where does attack come in where does the word attack come in because you you block the attack where is that like trying to find like, like what is an interact? attack right yeah and okay, it's when you like when you end up, uh, you know, flipping it or, or or going into the space with it. Okay, well, like it just needs the biggest thing that that game needs is like an index of terms. And attack means this block is yeah. in response to an attack, which you know an an index of terms or even because it it was like what you said and that we found a couple cases of is like oh the only time it explains a thing is like in the example text of like hey here's an example turn and it's like okay well like maybe you could have explained all the steps before you like showed it in an example to to make it a little bit clearer yeah um i I uh, I haven't and, I've been into these board game things more heavily for two years now, and let me tell you something that doesn't work is when you rely on your examples to explain the rules as opposed to relying on mm-hmm. them to specify the rules. Yeah, uh, examples should show edge cases um, and process uh, stuff and how rules butt mm-hmm. together. When you rely on the examples to also just show how the rules work, it doesn't work because examples just don't read well for learning the rules. They read well for edge case and for like I said, rules butting together. And this this Transformers mm-hmm. game has a lot of rules that butt together. And I believe there was also, like, if I recall correctly, you guys were really running into the the very 
Um, I think the rules when you learn them are good rules, but there's things about the rules that don't work the way you think they will, especially if you've played other deck builders. Like, a tenant of your classic deck builder is you, you drop your hand on the table, and you figure out what your resources and effects are, and then you proceed. In this game, you really specifically can't do that, because the playing of mm-hmm. cards on the table can can um, can uh, reference what's still in your hand. Uh, the resources yeah. provided by those cards do not go into a resource pool. They sit on those cards. If those cards get destroyed by an effect before you've used their resources, those resources on those cards are gone. And then range is like Pierce in the TCG. Range in the deck building game applies only to what else is on the card that has range on it, which is not deck builder intuitive. Uh, mm-hmm. As as I understand it. So I do want to say, I think that the game is good, and I think it is a really cool and surprisingly crunchy system. Uh, but it presents as a Dominion. It presents as a Star Realms. Uh, and if you try to play it like that, you're you're going to actually get frustrated probably by your fifth turn at the at the latest because something yeah. will happen where you're like wait yeah and <laughs> and it and it's like as we were sitting there talking about it it would have been a whole lot easier because the way that they stack it it's like power and then a range symbol and then a move symbol and the power is like a resource that you kind of spend and the move is kind of like a resource that you spend and so it like keys the the range to to be that and it's really like the range should have been appended around the corner on on the power so that you know that those two things are connected yeah it, it's just a bunch of tunes that's like yeah it feels like this got a lot of play because i really like the fact that like you know it's clearly set up so that when the decepticon expansion comes out it's not like you have to go and replace a bunch of cards all of the autobots that are yeah. your allies in that are set up to be the adversaries to the decepticons and you play as the decepticons and all the decepticons that are in there as your adversaries as Autobots are set up, you know, to be your allies when you're playing as, as the Decepticons. And that's smart to me. And I can even see where, you know, there's the ability to have a cross faction where you're not like competitively co-op where you can mm-hmm. be pure competitive. If I'm playing an Autobot, you're playing a Decepticon. And now like the, the matrix grid in the middle of us kind of acts as part of a decider of who, who wins and who loses. Like, you can see that they thought ahead for that complexity, but at the same time, it feels like whoever did the play testing did the play did all of their play testing within their group of people, and never yeah. went, "Hey, you've not touched any version of this. Here's the box. Here's the rules as we have written. Come back with notes." Because yeah, the the rule book I, did. I, I did really not get feel like a, that. Uh... Come, come back with notes could have gone a long way to like knock those super rough corners off and even just change some of the like formatting and and how things sit next to each other it, it hits the other thing about rule books that i don't like when i see it which is when the rule book feels like it was designed by people who also just play the game a lot so the, mm-hmm. there's a shorthand to it that that doesn't necessarily realize that that it won't make sense immediately if someone reading it hasn't been playing the game a lot uh so i ideally the new rule book will will fix a lot of this and and um hopefully we can have some really solid how to play videos at some point if no one does it i'll i'll try to do it because i the the, Mm -hmm. what what i do love about the game and this is why i'm I'm fast forwarding a bit we did play you know three-player co-op uh in the lobby on sunday after the show 
mm-hmm. and and I immediately was like, if neither of you are attached, I would really like to play as RC. Um, because RC mm-hmm. uh, is designed for you to start to get knees deep into the crunch of the system with the way that she can self card draw. If you build, if you if you pick up maneuver cards and you have your energon ready to go, you can have a five a five card hand. If you, I've had I've had her hand turned into a twelve card play turn before in solo, uh, mm-hmm. and it was awesome. Uh, and because that's the kind yeah. of stuff, I really like that kind of crunch myself. But I like that the game also has Optimus Prime, you know, who, or or, uh, or I think Bumblebee can also play pretty simply. Um, if you if you don't want to get into the RC crunch, um, but I, I loved the way it felt because because solo, I'm always just you know one character running around doing everything. It felt really cool how, especially in light of pandemic, which we're going to talk about next, uh, I could be we could all be reactive to each other in a way where we also felt very independent. It would be like, Hey, do you guys want me to run over there and deal with bone crusher? Or, uh, when blitz, like when we started our three player game, we had what four ongoing effects just pop up one after another. Uh, yeah, we had like a Decepticon scheme or no, we had two Decepticon schemes and two co-op scheme things happen. So like we had these four things that were kind of taxing us, of like, oh, well, you can't do this thing, you can't do that thing. Simultaneously. And so had to, yeah, si- all simultaneously. So we kind of had to like, okay, well, let's figure out which one of these is worst on us and see if we can go, you yeah. know, burn that one down and then like hit the next one and burn that one down. And then the remainder were like, okay, well, we can like deal with getting around to to this one. Well, and what I really liked is about I think halfway through that Blitzwing, the first boss popped up, but by that mm-hmm. point, like I was, my confidence was coming back, and like I think when we flipped those four um, schemes, there was a, a brief moment of like, oh god, this is like turn, this is this is first round of turns. Like, do we just yep. restart? This is where we, this is where we <laughs> muck it and start over. And uh, but I, I, I was, I everybody was picked different characters because this alignment is surely cursed. I, I was so hoping that like we could work through it because I'd been in that position and not not literally that, but I'd been in a similar position in solo before with uh, with some of the bosses, and I was like, mm-hmm. if we work through this, we are going to feel so badass. And I loved it when mm-hmm. Blitzwing popped up amidst that, and Blitzwing was was not he was not oh no everything's harder he was oh son you, you picked the wrong time to show up we are activated right now like I forgot was it me or was it was it you who like just freaking ran over to Blitzwing and just gave him an uppercut like yeah that, like, get that out of me. here I I, <laughs> I had basically like the right alignment of things and and another thing where half of the Autobots have a if you transform this turn it you get plus something or draw a card or reveal a card and and again that's where it is kind of confusing of uh like is that transform only from what if you to transformed what? to this side or that you transformed period because since it's face down it doesn't exist now or 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 how it works um again where yeah. we're formatting and and that sort of thing would work a little bit better but if uh, if anyone was watching us play, you probably saw me like getting very in- for the first third of the game, very intently, constantly snatching up the rulebook and looking for very specific things. Uh, mm-hmm. It's because when I play solo or co op, I'm almost harder about the rules being done right than if I'm playing competitively. Because there's always a temptation in solo and co op to fudge things a bit, uh, and for mm-hmm. whatever reason, I'm 
I'm persnickety about fudging things too much. So I was like, I was like, I I really would like to know because also the TCG side of things, like there's a lot of clarity about that. But I was like, we came to a decision on what the, the flip transform effects were, but there were a few other little things like uh, that, that I was just I was I was sitting there going like you said like where's the friggin' index? I just I know the word I'm looking mm-hmm. for. I, <laughs> uh, but yeah, we we did have a good time. Like I, I say all these criticisms because I think if we just said, oh, what a great game someone who jumps into the game would run into that rule book and just go like, why didn't you mention the rule book? And it's like, yeah, yeah. once, once you know how it works, I think it's a really, really solid game system. Uh, very, very reliant. I would say on the notion you're going to get at least one expansion. Um, I don't know, Aaron, if you agree with me, but I, I do think it should have been three of each boss level just for the, the nice rule of three, uh, variability. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so in the two. game you have, you have three bosses, um, like a tier one, a tier two, and a tier three. And yeah, I really feel like instead of having two of those at each thing, it should have had three or more just for like replayability's sake. Because you know, you do end up I, with I, I just think some it's really... portion of the some portion of the big stack of the deck that you build and put together that ends up like yeah. not becoming a part of your the deck that you play or the playfield area. Um, just because of how it works, um, you know, having played like the well, and, and, legendary uh, I, games or some of the other legendary games that, you know, those you kind of build the 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 feeder decks that you play against, and so you know what's going to be in them. Versus this, there's a little bit of that variation in it, and it just feels like, um, yeah, it, yeah. yeah. I, I I'm hoping that whatever expansion comes out comes out with a clarified rule book, and uh, yeah, and really just locks in everything else because the the when when you fight this the game system when it's good you know if it was a totally bad game you know then it's one thing oh we're fighting the game system I I wouldn't I wouldn't the know the rules of all the same way I, like I wouldn't be there to fill well, the you gaps. you wouldn't you wouldn't care you'd be like oh it was a bad game and I got fleeced haha stupid fan. Um, yeah, but because it was good, like you can see it right there. It's right, right there. Come on. Um, so oh, it's, it, yeah. And, and like, like the one last crit I'm going to throw out, I, I will say also the reason why I, I like rule of three on, cause there's three levels of bosses and they give you two of each. I played against all six bosses. Um, and I just think it's very hard to randomly without a, without a die that the game doesn't give you. It's very hard to randomly pick which boss to play without even when they're face down and I'm flipping them. I have trouble not counting how many times I've flipped the two cards between each other. Um, I have to really stare off into the distance because I'm like I'm like I think I'm I think I'm selecting Starscream. Like I don't want to know I'm mm-hmm. selecting Starscream, but there's only two cards and I knew what order they were in when I picked them up because I had to separate the, the level twos out from the other two levels. So I had to look for a second, and I knew which one was on top. Uh, that's obviously going to solve itself as expansions come out, and I'm I li- I like the game, so I, I you know it kind of goes without saying I am going to be pursuing the expansion, so it's going to get uh, better for me. But um, if if you're expansion averse, like you know, see if you can find a friend who's who's way more into it and and get them to to help you into the game to see if you like it. Because the the one other thing I'll say, because we talked about how uh, there's a lot of crunch in keeping track of resources. The one other thing, they don't give you enough tokens. They give you a lot of tokens, but not enough tokens to keep track of all the resources, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Um, yeah. But, uh, no, it's uh, it, 
that's that's also solvable with you know third party tokens. But uh, yeah, it's it's a it is a really fun game, and I hope that um, I'm going to make sure I, that if no one has it with them, I'll be bringing it to every TFCon I go to because uh, I, I think it, I think you can really get in character playing that game too, which. Uh, I'm going to say one of the biggest crits I've seen is that a lot of board game people say the G.I. Joe deck builder has a way stronger thematic element than the Transformers one. Uh, I disagree. Um, I think the G.I. Joe one is very strong, but the Transformers one is the only one where I feel like the characters exist on the board. Um, and uh, and I having played with three people, I felt so much more... Solo, I could see that, that element not being there, but with three players... I felt like we were Bumblebee, Ironhide, and RC, um, mm-hmm. like running around trying to stop the Decepticons. I felt that vibe, uh, and I was really happy to because I, I couldn't get that on my own. Um, but we also played Pandemic Iberia, which was my first time actually playing a Pandemic brand uh, Pandemic game. I've played the Pandemic mm-hmm. playstyle, but I never actually had played a game called Pandemic with its you know version of that playstyle. I've played the you know, put out fires and carry things around games, basically. Like, those those mm-hmm. two elements. Um, and it was really cool to finally play a Pandemic, and also, it's, of all the Pandemic-branded Pandemic games, it's the one I own that I got used, because it was the only one that I really felt a draw to, because I, I, I really like the limited... Um, I don't know if it's the right word, but I, I like how you aren't as powerful, I guess, in it. You don't, like, you, you were mentioning um, in regards, in comparison to normal Pandemic, like, in Iberia... You aren't actually wholesale curing the diseases, and you can't fly yeah. around. You you do need to plan laying down railroad track to travel quickly based on where the initial disease hubs are. Uh, also, I will say we were playing a pandemic game in 2022, and we all are fine with that. But I'm I'm realizing like mm-hmm. if you don't want to hear about this, um, then yeah, fast forward a little bit because uh, obviously it's a weird game to play in our current era, right? Yeah. Um, but no, Aaron, you did a great job leading us through it. Um, I, I felt like um, there were four of us playing. It was you, myself, Ray, and uh, and uh, uh, Barricade uh, Wheeljack sixty four. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I, the one thing I was a little worried about because it was it was like in the evening, and uh, Pandemic is fully co op and it has rules overhead. Uh, it is classically the game where people also discover what the alpha gamer is in a co op scenario. And I, I did appreciate... Yeah, sorry. I, I think that you did... What I, this is how I'll word it. I think you did a really good job of resisting the urge when you had, like, not only three new players, but two, but at least one of those players also seeming like, you know, not not having played one of those co-op styles before, even. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, I, I, was, I was trying to push plans of what I wanted to do, and I was... T- like, None of us were running rogue, but I was like trying to—I was trying to kind of yeah. lead with a check-in of what I want to do on each of my turns. Because after a turn, I was mm-hmm. like, "Okay, I kind of grok how this works, so I'm gonna—I'm gonna actively think about what I want to do while other people are doing their things." Uh, but no, Aaron, I think you did a pretty good job when, like, you know, I—I I could tell that you—you you had the urge to kind of go like, "Oh, I think I know how to solve this," but like, without straight up going like, "You do this, this, and this," uh, unless you were yeah. unless you were invited to, basically. So I—I I thought you did a good job. Um, yeah, are- that is, uh, uh, unfortunately it, it's one of those things that, um, yeah, pa- pandemic, especially across the board is something that requires a heavy amount of cooperation and yeah, with two or three people that have, you know, 
never played a pandemic before or haven't like that don't have that full on um you know we were we were we were within two turns of losing the game due to running out of player deck so like it mm-hmm. it's something that you you got to definitely pay attention to because pandemic as a game will do exactly what it's going to do you, you know depending on Oh, sorry, hiccups all of a sudden. Depending on you know how those cards got shuffled it, an hour ago, and it it doesn't care at yeah. all. So it, it's it's definitely a thing where it's like, you know, you know, definitely want to listen to everybody's input. But at some point in time, if you've got you know even one person that's kind of waffling, like, well, I really don't know what to do with my turn. You've got to have somebody just grab by the nose and say, no, this this is going to yeah. be the best option for you to do this. And I was like, well, I don't know. It is the best option. Shut up. Just do the thing and watch I, how it plays. And I, we, I really we never do, got that far, but... Yeah, yeah. I, I, well, I was going to say, what I really appreciated was there was a point where I did have a question and you were able to answer it in a way that I think really got us onto a good track as well um, mm-hmm. about the tracks. Because basically, I, since I'd never played Pandemic, I don't know. I didn't know the full cycle of the game that well. So... Uh, as I recall it, my question was, was along the lines of, Hey, so I'm building track because we've got these outbreak centers near where I spawned. So I want to make, I want to make it able that I can run around this, the, the Northwest part of, of the map, because that's where a lot of stuff is. And that's where I am. And I have a, a traveling, um, like suppression marker with me for, for the cubes spreading. Mm -hmm. But do I want, do we want to keep calling it? Wash your damn hands. Yeah, oh yeah, so my, freaking, I'm playing the nurse, who is a walking virus suppressor, right? My hometown that I start from was outbreaking every single, uh, like, major spread, and I was just like, because it was also it was after I left, and I was just like, I told them what to do! I, I walked across Iberia to go fix the northeast, and my hometown just started licking each other's tongues, the moment I left, <laughs> like, I, I remember, so I was like, okay, I gotta build railroad to get back there so they don't friggin' nuke the, the northeast of the continent or whatever, but, like, uh, my question I remember was, like, do we want to build me rails so I can also get to the middle where there's nothing right now, but there could be, mm-hmm. and then you you basically said, like, the way that the, the, the cycle of this game works is that where the cubes are now are where they are most likely to re-pop every single time we have to do a reshuffle. Mm-hmm. Where, where the map is empty... And this this time I just didn't know about Pandemic, or at least this version. Where the map is empty is the least likely place for stuff to start popping yeah. outside of random chance. So I was like, okay, so I can I yeah, can actually was, just focus up here. Um, yeah, it was. I think it was when you saw the um, the infection line happen, where it was when we draw the the bad card out of the player deck, and it's like, okay, now you draw yeah. from the one one from the bottom, reshuffle everything, put it on top. I think that's when you had your aha moment of like oh now i really get why yeah. the, like why you pay attention to you know the the existing bad areas rather than try and defend these unspoiled areas because those bad areas have a chance to get bad real fast and i don't think we ever ha- yeah. even had like rapid back to back um no infections because i've no, played, we, we had it we, we had a I've, pl- I've played you know Three seasons of the Legacy um, Pandemic and a bunch of different variants because uh, it's a favorite of, of um, board game group friends of mine. And, mm-hmm. you know, 
bad times happen when you have two of those cards back to back. And so the first one, you know, pull from the bottom, you get three, and then you shuffle everything, and then the next one says pull from the bottom, and it gets three. Now you shuffle this one card, and you put it on top, and now you have to guess, you know, what's going to be that first card that you draw, and then automatically the bad thing happens of, of an outbreak. And so, hey, we yeah. thankfully didn't get anything close to that. But it's definitely something that I think that, like, I think the all three of you saw like kind of had an idea and then that first reinfection was like oh well now we've, we've really got to plan how we're how we're going to fight this fight because um, yeah oh you know you, you see the, you see the game loop and and it also it actually relaxed me because one of my favorite games i played in 2020 was spirit island where mm-hmm. a lot of spirit island it, it's it's it has a very similar thing to the infection thing um oh crap they heard a saying infection and pandemic here come the here come the police like, what are you doing? Um, so Spirit Island has a thing with, much like the cubes, it has the uh, the, the kind of, I call it the sundering of the island, but it's like the blight mechanic, where blight blight spreads and pings off of itself and spreads farther if it pings off of itself. Um, but in Spirit Island, you often, at least in my experience playing solo, you ride the blight line, like, right up to the, 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 the barest thread of you losing the game and then you swing back and just pile drive the blight back um mm-hmm. and so i'm used to the i'm used to basically the the spread mechanic being way more stressful <laughs> so not to say the pandemics yeah. isn't but pandemics version of it for my brain was like this is this this can be stressful but there is a certain level of control to it that makes me feel a lot less like the game is trying to murder me uh Mm-hmm. And uh, that's also just an appreciation, like you know, that uh, of gr- broader mechanics. Like I also played Horrified, which is very pandemic style, but with universal monsters, and you have to bring stuff places, and the monsters are are running around causing panic and, and etc. Uh, and in that one, that's like if the cubes were chasing you, basically. So like, I think it's partly mm-hmm. I I just played like these way more stressful versions <laughs> that were actively trying to hurt you. Um, like the cubes were coming for you. That in pandemic, I was like. It's so cool how these cubes aren't sentient and trying to kill me myself. It's, you know, they're they're just they're just spreading like like innocent creatures. <laughs> uh, but I, I can see how it can get totally out of control. And and I, I like I said, I have a, such an appreciation now for why pandemic is such a you know a a, a, a pillar of that entire hobby. Um, so uh, yeah, that. that 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 was a lot of the table topping we did too, um, and this was a great year for table topping because again in the lobby, uh, it meant that we had a thing we could do in a sort of open space that didn't need to have us crowded in, surrounded by tons of people just to do the thing in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, which which I really enjoyed, but also I just I, I was having such a good time playing these games with people face to face in a in a safe environment the only other time i've been able to do this was like just very sparsely and when i went to visit my mom last year uh i had a quiver full of two-player games that we played um and uh yeah i think that's that's probably moving forward going to be something that i do look forward to every tfcon is getting in some kind of some some kind of board game or tabletop game uh yeah it's a it's a good time um and uh, yeah, Saturday we also like I we discovered because they were open uh, on Uber Eats this place called Melt Witch, which was 
pretty darn good for an Uber Eats. Like it, it was on the cheaper side of Uber Eats. It was satisfying. It was heavy. It was. It seemed like a local business. Uh, just you know, lots of lots of lots of burger type stuff with mac and cheese melted and, and smashed together. Um, and uh, yeah, on, on that, I guess that brings us to Sunday. Uh, and uh, I'm trying to trying to remember now because my Sunday I think I slept in a bit, but to, oh yeah, I slept in a little bit because I wanted to wake up really early. Um, and then we got ready for the uh, the fan media panel, which was the manic marathon challenge, uh, where we raised. Mm-hmm. I think we actually ended up raising about 140 bucks for Extra Life um, total, uh, just based off the existence of the challenge. There were some donations after the fact. Uh, there was also a donation that came in while we were preparing that I did not see until we finished. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, that was also... Uh, I actually found that really fun um, because I felt like it was the most elaborate panel I've tried to do in a very long time. Uh, Aaron, uh, you were there to help me out a lot with that because that is a panel that required a second person. There's no way that could have been done solo. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was very... Yeah, I don't know how you'd tape your own thumbs down by yourself. It would have been that would have been a challenge. That would have been a different challenge card. Just tape your tape your own mm-hmm. thumbs. Guess what? The new challenge is now you have to leave it there. Uh, but uh, no, we this this was also me being extremely aware and cautious of timing because uh, leading up to this, uh, when we were planning on Discord, like you saw, like I, I shot down lots of ideas simply based on the fact that they could take longer than six minutes, basically. Um, mm-hmm. And then even even when we were heading there, one of the challenges was going to be uh, put a boiled egg in my mouth. And then we looked at the boiled eggs. We saw that they were shelled. And it was like I was like, my thought was, hey, Aaron, do we get a breakfast sandwich instead? And you were like, what if we just nix that challenge? And I was like, yes, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had to I had to fight you real hard to lose that challenge. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I just I think people like it when you have to stick a thing in your mouth. So I was like, it's people are gonna love me sticking a thing in my mouth. Uh, but the sh- the the eggs being shelled is what actually killed it for me because I was like, we're not gonna sit there deshelling boiled eggs. That's that's not gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know I had at least one person before the con go like, oh man, you're gonna put it in shell and all, huh? And I was like, no, <laughs> I don't want to choke to death in the middle of all this. Uh, but uh, it went well, and it, it did go well under time, uh, as you said. Like I, I just launched basically when we started, um, and th- there were two mm-hmm. two big reasons. Number one, before us was a panel that I actually we'll talk about a bit because I sat in for the back end of it, uh, but it was one of the feature guests, and it wasn't a fan panel, so I, I knew there was a chance. Hey, this could go over a bit because this is a feature guest. People want to see them uh, talk about what they do. Um, but after us was uh, was Dylan Ninjatron's panel, which I knew was very media intensive, and I knew he had been planning for a long time, and I knew was coming off the back of, I believe, maybe even the same panel not being able to happen in December because of tech problems. And so I was, I was like, I am not going to be the reason his panel gets messed up because I went over time. Um, so uh, we, we, the, I should explain this. This uh, panel was I was going to try to review 2008 style. Uh, a bunch of Transformers as quickly as possible, and we were going to have challenges attached to a number of them based on how many Extra Life donations we got uh, in increments of $20. Um, and uh, generally, I think it went pretty well. It seemed that the the audience was enjoying themselves. I was in performer mode for the whole thing, so I don't actually remember a lot of it. I need to watch the footage. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I remember... No, it was... It was good, even the parts that didn't include me clapping at you or tying your thumbs down. So, 
yeah, um, those were two of the challenges. I'm not going to elaborate because you know what? There's a video version that'll be up sooner than later, so you should just watch it. And and uh, also, mm. you should just give to Extra Life because it's it's fun. We have links in one of the mm-hmm. most recent podcast pan- uh, pages, threads. Um, but uh, no, like like um, if it, like really the only the only bummers I had with that panel. All due respect to our audience was the audience participation part. The audience whiffed it. All due respect to y'all. I love y'all. Uh, but like the one where it's like, just ask me like an essay question. And the essay question for Blue Streak was say why Blue Streak's awesome. And I was like, oh no, that's too easy. But I, I couldn't, I couldn't say do it harder because I was worried about time. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I think that one, I actually lost the essay question partway through doing that one because I couldn't remember that it was an addition basically. Uh, and when I say yeah. whiffed it, I want to, I want to clarify. I'm not actually mad and I'm not, tr- I'm not trying to be mean to y'all. I'm kind of, I'm kind of joking a little bit, but like, I thought it was going to be a lot harder there. And then the, uh, the fan mode one, this is not whiffing it. It's just that, you know, this is, it was a car. The fan mode was a boat. It's, it's pretty easy to make a car look like a boat. Uh, yeah. So n- neither of those were a struggle for me, uh, the way I thought they might be, which I think contributed a bit to, to that panel, that plus me going into turbo mode, uh, going uh, happily well under time. Um, and, uh, I, yeah, I had a good time. And, and as far as I could tell, people were having a good time. And that's that's the main thing I want with panels. Uh, I want them to be entertaining experiences that you can't necessarily get on the Internet outside of recordings of those panels. Uh, and uh, I think if there's anything else for that, was there... From from your perspective, uh, well, you you just said it, but like I don't know, was there anything notable about that panel that I, I haven't mentioned that you wanted to bring up? I mean, there was the axe smithing. It's just uh, I, I like the idea. Uh, that people have to I see mean, it. the axe the axe smithing I think got a lot of a lot of pops. I I enjoyed participating yeah. in in that one in the way that it did, and it also seemed like it like it people got a real laugh out of me torturing you a little bit uh, kind of same with the thumbs i think i think you were probably playing up the thumbs a little bit but i was okay um, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna yeah I'll, I'll reveal i was playing up the thumbs a little bit but that's also because i looked at my my stopwatch and instead of having like seven minutes left i had 17 minutes left <laughs> mm-hmm. so i was 10 minutes under uh, so i was like i can have fun with this a little bit <laughs> yeah but, uh, no, it was it was definitely fun. I, I I hope you do some similar version of it again. Uh, if nothing I, else for the torture. Yeah. Well, what, what I'll say is th- this was an elaborate panel that required uh, a decent amount of of um, I'd say I'd say improvisational energy from two different people. Not improv games, improvisational, but being able to kind of operate on the fly. And I think that we we pulled it off, and it makes me really inspired to think of something similar. Uh, to it for next year. Um, I, I will also say there were a lot of really good ideas I shot down for time. I had I had a lot of ideas that I personally shot down for time. If I ever could get a two hour block for that thing, uh, we would be having a real a real good old time. But I, I, I'm not going to request that from TFCon. I think that's a bit much. But there, there's a lot of really dumb ideas one could do. Like one I one that I so wanted to try to figure out how to fit in was. I have to play a game of two pack turbo TCG against Aaron while I'm doing the review, uh, or against, a, mm-hmm. against one of the TCG guys, if they were up for it. Um, but the shortest game of transformers TCG still can take an upwards of 20 minutes. Uh, yeah, it just didn't seem reasonable, but I, that, the idea I so loved and <laughs> I wish I could have fit it in. I, I still feel like there's some meat in that. Like even, even just like play a game of war or something, you know? Just yeah. Top card. 
top card wins type yeah. of thing where there's no like there's 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 no tactics to it. It's just going to be some like uh okay, got to do a thing differently or something like that. There's there's some there's some version 2 of the panel um thing yeah. in there. Oh, ab- absolutely. Um cuz there there are shorter games uh, obviously. And mm-hmm. if I could find a game that has the amount of thinking time of TFTCG but the a play time of like 5 minutes so that the opponent does have to think. The the one thing I want is the opponent will have to think through a turn, which then gives me the time to actually say review things, but I have to keep track of what they're doing on the side, like while I'm doing it. Uh mm-hmm. that's like that's that's the vibe about it that I do like. And if I could fit that oh it'd be really cool. But um I, I like I said, Aaron, you did you did a stellar job, uh and and uh I was really happy with how that thing turned out because it could have gone terrible, uh and I was worried about it. Pretty much all of Saturday, <laughs> I was like, "Oh boy, I could really beef this." Uh, so uh, yeah, and and then that um, led into my final hours in the TCG room, um, <laughs> teaching the game to more people. Like I, I taught the game a ton. Still, I was like, I couldn't believe it. Like how many people were interested? Um, uh, what what were your final hours of Sunday like, uh, leading up to like the four o'clock? Uh, most things closed down moment. Um, I ended up doing one last lap with Ray, and I bought a double driver, and he bought the lost driver. What's the the single side version of that? Is that the lost? That's, driver? Yeah, lost driver. Yeah. Um, just because, like I said, I I had like convention money just burning a hole in my pocket, and it wasn't actually until later I realized that I got that that's like the first version of the the double driver. Um so it doesn't have, like, a couple of the memories to it and, um, and all of that jazz. I was like, ah, oh, there's a 20th anniversary one that is cheaper that has more memories. And Aaron just bought a thing <laughs> because it's dumb and he had money, and he was dumb because he had money. Um, um, but, yeah, that was that was kind of my, yeah. my time after that. I actually spent a lot of time uh, just chatting with, you know, the couple people that I'd ran into, uh, talked a healthy amount with Aaron Archer um, Mm -hmm. just about you know life the universe and everything we talked a lot of design and how interestingly parallel like the design that I do is versus what the design that that he does for toys Um, but then the ways that it's like drastically different with you know you have Mm -hmm. ownership more so of a design when you're like a toy designer than when you're doing, you know, things by committee or things by revision, um, like what what I end up doing with, you know, aircraft stuff. So it was it was a lot of fun. Um, I got a little little sketch art out of him, um, just little things like that. Yeah, that actually would be a fun conversation to sit down and do in a in a recorded format. Mm-hmm. Um, I like like it would be fun to lead a conversation between the two of you with like a set like we could figure out topics beforehand, but that that would be kind of cool. Yeah. I didn't realize how many parallels uh, y'all had because that that sounds like really fruitful yeah. insider combo. I, I mean, and and it's kind of one of those like you know when you distill everything down, design is design at a certain level. Um, yeah, you know iterations and and stuff like that, but it you know between toys and aviation it takes some pretty drastic turns between you know yes there's child safety rules but that's nothing like what the faa eyeballs you with um yeah you know just things of that nature to just be like 
like, you know, what is life and how is that? So that was like one thing I talked about with him is he said that, uh, so his panel that he had on, I think that was on Saturday, was he kind of mm. did, hey, here's like, here's what I went through in Armada. And he had some really interesting sheets about like how he had done, um, you know, he, he said Hasbro at the time, the execs were very concerned about making sure that they had a a broad color palette of all the toys that were on the shelf at the time. Hmm. So you didn't want to have three toys that had red as a primary color. So what he did was in his, he used Excel because that's what he really had at the time that was easy to do and he knew. And he was like, he had three columns next to each toy that was like primary color, secondary color, tertiary color. And then was like, okay, well, Optimus Prime is red, blue, and yellow or silver. I forget what he had in like the tertiary for Optimus Prime. And then Hotshot is primary yellow and had like this uh, array of like, here's wave one, here's wave two, here's wave three with the deluxe cons and mega cons and super cons or whatever the heck they call them then. Um, and like, hey, here, here I can go like burp, wave one. Here's what the color layouts are in Excel shells. Because that's what he had for um yeah. for tracking it. And uh, just uh just some other things kind of along those lines of just you know, showing just the process that they went through. Another interesting one uh from his was like um naming things and showing like, okay, well we've got Optimus Prime, we've got Megatron, we know we've got those, but like do we call him hot shot? Do we call him hot rod? Do we call him I think he had like another name in there and every everybody pretty much had two or three names like you know yeah Ironhide was primary for this one but if we can't use it for that one because they want hoist then we push Ironhide down to this other one over here and so that was interesting and just talked a little bit about along those lines and he's like yeah it's just the whole you know again a good thing for for it, not even necessarily designed, but for working with things is like, hey, have your primary. This is what I really want to make sure we do, and then your secondary. You know, hey, this is this is what it'd be. You know, if we can't do A, hopefully we can get B through, and if we can't get B through, well, here's the fallback to C that I really hope we can get through. And man, if C doesn't work, now's time to start digging because. Something's got to go. So, yeah, it was it was interesting to see the way that that his style stuff laid all of that out and and um, went from there and what? and then just like I said, I did I did additional laps of the dealer room and saw a bunch of stuff that would be interesting to buy, but but didn't want to pay or vice versa. So, I uh, I I really love that Excel sheet example actually because one one of my favorite things I've come to realize. Um, that that I enjoy about about um how do I put this? I really like applying project management and and organization like that to creative endeavors, um and, and artistic mm-hmm. fields. Um I like I I have more so in the last couple months I've realized that I need to be more pushy about it, um, in, in projects I work on, but I've been trying to push more of like this project management mindset into video production, um, a little bit into podcast stuff. Uh, I'm trying to, to, it's weird. I'm trying to, I'm trying to establish project management ideas 
which then make it easier for me to think about stuff like podcast production or uh, with panels, especially like that, that mm-hmm. media panel was a, a total project management exercise for me as well. Uh, and boy, I love the idea of like, how are we going to figure out how to get this, this array of color swatch across all these characters, a three column Excel sheet. That's perfect. I love it. Cause it's, uh, it's removing very slightly the purity of artistic intent and quantifying it into something mathematical. And I love that crisscross because that often just ends up meaning, okay, now we have a result. Is it perfect? Maybe, maybe not, but we have a backbone now to operate from. Yeah. Uh, and I love that. Uh, I hope someone recorded Aaron Archer's panel, please. So, so I can see it. Uh, that would be really cool. Um, cause I, yeah, I mean, obviously like I got to talk to Aaron a little bit, um, that, that Aaron, not this Aaron, a little bit on, uh, a little bit more on mm-hmm. Sunday. Um, mostly after hours, just, we were reminiscing a whole lot about, uh, uh, 2000s botcons and trying to, <laughs> a lot of it was just us, like, kept showing pictures of us, like, of, ch- as children, and that was... Oh, baby painful. Aaron in the panel photo needs to be your avatar somewhere, because yeah. no one will believe yeah, it's no. you. Because, <laughs> no. I think... No, no, you had a mustache in No that facial one. hair, glasses. Oh, no, yeah. no, I didn't. Yeah, yeah, right. That was just total baby. Uh, there's, um, what was it? Uh, my brother just, just found some photos he took. Uh, we, we used a photo booth uh, back in, like, 05, I'm pretty sure. Um, and I don't recognize myself in 2005 at all. <laughs> uh, yeah. But so, no, we, um, that, that, that was really cool. Like, like Aaron, Ar- Aaron Archer panels, I think, are, are always really interesting opportunities to, like, uh, if anything, know what it was like then, and especially in 2022, being able to like do a little bit of compare and contrast to what uh, those teams deal with now, because we've the current team is is sharing a ton of information on Instagram. Uh, it's it's probably the most information that has ever been shared in a post Aaron Archer team world for Transformers. Um, so the, mm-hmm. some really fascinating compare and contrast that could probably be drawn together in there. Uh, obviously from a non-industry standpoint, but still, um, it just, uh, it, I love, I love that stuff. I just love that Excel sheet thing. Cause it's, it's such a logical way to deal with what could have been like a, a, a week's long endeavor of trying to like, you know, like, like figure out, you know, the, what it will all look like. It's just not just math it, math it out. Mm-hmm. Who's red. All right. There's red primary. You know? <laughs> uh, yeah. They're going good. No, I was going to say, and, and and like I said before, that's one of those, you know, uh, also in at least communication of, of things, you know, what's the what's the easiest, short shortest way to do it? Does that get enough of an idea across? Yes. Then why are you then why work harder at it? You know, if if you can come up with a way with three swatches in an Excel spreadsheet, hey, I'm not having to send you some pdf or a powerpoint or anything it's hey here's the excel spreadsheet we've been using for everything else burp i added three columns move along yeah (laughs) oh and just just to slot in if you were told hey we got a ninth figure that can fit into these eight uh it'll be it'll be out at the same time just having that sheet to be able to go like okay well i'll slot in another row i can look at the layout Mm -hmm. here's what here's what's not here much here's what's here too much and yeah that's i love that uh uh, I guess it, I'm trying to think. Before the media panel, were you up to anything on Sunday? I was basically up until that panel. I was just focused on the panel for the most part. Um, um, trying to look and see. 
It was creating Transformers fan films. I didn't do that one. Uh, I watched a little bit of the the panel before yours as we like came into it. Um, and then yeah. after was most obscure Transformers, and then uh, Beast Wars history. No, I don't think I really did. It was okay. I, I... It was just kind of a lap around there, and then a little bit of time in the. In the uh, card room, um, is, yeah. I mean that was an, a nice like landing base uh, for things. Oh, it was, it was so it was it it made the show for me having that as like my base mm-hmm. to operate from. I, I did mm-hmm. want to touch a bit because we yeah we did catch like the, I'd say the the back third of the uh, the panel before ours, which was the uh, the VFX artist fellow whose name escapes me, um, who worked on the live action films. Uh, I think he worked on on a Christopher Lee Zamet. Yeah, and and I believe he worked on a couple of the live action films. Was the impression I got, um, and I I thought he was actually giving some really cool um, information, uh, just like the stuff he was talking about while we were in there. We we mostly were in there to hear his, I thought, kind of fun anecdote about how when when Rogue One was in its initial pre production stages, he knew a guy working on it, and he went and made what I'm going to call a dead ass serious, not actually a joke presentation to try to have the uh, Jar Jar Binks actually did it all film made and it was not because he hates mm-hmm. Jar Jar Binks it's because he, he like the, the vibe I got is no it's it's not Jar Jar Binks hate propaganda this is we're going to rehabilitate Jar Jar Binks to be the coolest character in the franchise based on the fact that he whispered in someone's mm-hmm. ear at some point in the prequels and, and was doing Jedi flips and he had artwork made for it and he was like he was like referencing the fact that General Grievous was able to have cyborg armor made for him what if Jar Jar had gotten messed up in the Senate overthrow and was in in an armor suit right now. And what if Jar Jar was like the one behind the rise of Palpatine, but maybe Palpatine didn't even know that there was another above him guiding it all. And I I love that all of, he gave this heartfelt presentation. And then like, after there was a pause, his buddy was just like looking at all this stuff on the table, looked up at him and was like, was like, what are you doing? I have, I have work (laughs) to do. What, What is this? I, yeah. I, it's just the fact that like there was this genuine sentiment behind it made me really love that story. Uh, yeah, Acor- according to his IMDb page, it is Darker the Moon and uh, Age of Extinction, and going up the line last night that he worked on. Um, mm-hmm. He also has credits for uh, Thor. Like OG Thor, I think twenty eleven, uh, Sherlock Holmes movies, The hmm. Game of Shadows, uh, The Hobbit, The Avengers, uh, Man of Steel, uh, more Hobbit, more Hobbit, um, and then Rogue One, Deadpool two, Ant Man and Wasp, and then um, WandaVision, The Expanse, the Halo TV series, The Boys, so. He he he's a busy man. That dude's working. Yeah. Uh I I uh if I had known about the Hobbit thing, I think I actually would have gone up to ask a question just specifically like was it actually really weird doing VFX for the Hobbits like uh what was it? That that 3D super high frame rate version that was in theaters. Uh Mm-hmm. I never got to see it, and I, that's one of the t- things I've always been kicking myself. Not not because, like, oh, God, I gotta see The Hobbit, um, all due respect. But, like, 
just the the fact that I heard it described as it felt like you were watching a stage play, basically. And I'm like, I I really wish I had that sense memory. I would have loved to see that. Uh, and I, I would have loved to ask someone who worked in VFX, like, was it was it a super unique project or was it just business as usual? Because I'm with the frame rate involved, I'm just so curious. Uh, but there were some solid questions asked, and obviously, you know, there were folks. VFX is a really tricky industry, and if you don't know anything about it, like, there's it, it looks like magic. You know, like there there was a question that was literally like, do you guys do any any uh, pre-production work of like, you know, just pen on paper? And it's like, you know, yeah, they do. They, <laughs> they got to start from somewhere. Uh, but uh, no, mm-hmm. that that was that was a, a panel I did want to touch on briefly because I thought I thought it was pretty darn cool. And I thought that his presentation looked like it was it was pretty darn well put together, all things considered, like. It's yeah. hard stuff to communicate to to a layman audience, um, and I I include myself amidst the layman audience. Like I know a lot about about videography and editing, but I don't know much about VFX. That that is still a fairly foreign world to me. Um, but uh, yeah, then uh, that takes us to uh, actually you mentioned before like your your design uh, job having like parallels to toy uh, design stuff on the the podcast panel at the end of the show. I distinctly recall that you were able to reference your experience to. Uh, to, was it one of the questions that someone asked was about the yellowing plastic or was it just a topic? I forgot. Um, yeah, I, I, it was, um, I'm trying to remember. I'd have to go back and listen to the transmissions podcast that, uh, that came out because I think they've put that up by now. Um, I know they have, um, the, the videos up yeah, too. Yeah. Specifically. Yeah. It was, it was specifically something about. Um, shoot, I feel bad that I can't remember it now and I've not gotten back to, to listen to that show. But yeah, there were, there were a couple of topics where like, you know, knowing, knowing the pipeline and, you know, between the, what, uh, Aaron had said in his panel, you know, and, and, um, you know, what, what I know that I've, I've talked with people in and around that world as well, you know, the fact that we're seeing yellowing now in some of these white plastics, there was somebody that had a concern about, uh, Star Saber as a HasLab thing and that yellowing and you know we we know mm. like roundabouts where they are you know because they've been showing us for a while there and like how terrible you know hey here's this premier product sold to your super fans and and the people that are your biggest um, cheerleaders for the line if that thing comes out the door out the gate with yellowing plastic. Um, that's going to be a, 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 a super, super bad look and they should probably be working their darndest to make sure that that's not how it comes about because, um, that would very rapidly go to bad day for them. Oh, absolutely. And I, I mean, where I feel it, it's evident that like, you know, we won't know until Star Saber's out. Sadly, like that is still going to be kind of an unknown and a, and a pretty freaky unknown for some folks, right? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But how do I put this? We do know some things, which is that uh, the the Hasbro design team has been going out of their way to get photo evidence of the yellowing and using that photo mm-hmm. evidence to backtrace to production runs to create a ton. Like they've basically been back uh, reverse engineering data to figure out where and when mm-hmm. yellowing toys were coming from and when they were produced uh which yes which... i i remember i remember what the question was now or, or the, the lead into it was was about uh inspection processes and the fact that 
like they've said, hey, due to due to travel um, lockdowns and the like, we've not been able to get people there to inspect on hand. And that's something in in my world where that interface was that my brain finally caught around to it was, you know, we have what are called first article inspections is the first time you make the thing you document every single step of it like oh the dude washed his hands in between steps so we we write all of this down that way it all like is documented and then when it comes around to oh this didn't turn out the way that the prior ones did why didn't it let's hunt this down okay it's because this step or this step or this step was missed so that's that's what it was Mm -hmm. i remember yeah look at me i'm oh hell yeah I know, and, and I mean, like, on, on the, the Zoom calls, it, like, I, I just, I have a good memory for tidbits like this. I just remember, like, that they, you know, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. repeating some stuff we have mentioned before, but it, since it's it's relevant, like, that there there are, at Hasbro, specifically um, parts of their process relating to UV light reaction, uh, and that uh, mm-hmm. uh, Sam, of, of the bunch on Instagram, uh, he, he, in fact, was trying to figure out non-UV derived light reactions that could have been happening based on a stormtrooper helmet that he'd had on top of his cubicle for a long time that had weird reactions to the non-ultraviolet light it was um, exposed to for, like, I think over a year. Um, And then that coupled with uh, the the pandemic era making it harder for them to have someone go uh, firsthand to factories, and I know again this is just like this is the collation of uh, tons of tidbits. I know from independent toy makers, like especially O'Neill Designs Glios uh, toy line, that a huge part of why their toys turn out is that they visit uh, their factory. Um, like I think at one point annually, at the very least, if not more often. Um, and so with that uh, in person visit not being feasible. And that also timing with what we know of the production cycle of Transformers once they do go to factory, uh, it's this perfect storm of like tons of tons of new factories that may have just messed up those processes and not had anyone on hand to mm-hmm. to identify it. Uh, so instead, we're having to reverse engineer where the yellowing toys were coming from. Um, so it, it's yeah, it, it's it is complicated stuff. But like, I think that like this is actually one of the least scary. It's kind of one of the least scary. QC things because we actually can identify cause right down to timing. Uh, it's not like with clear plastic where it's like we're just hoping that they've figured it out every time clear plastic is is used on the hinge, basically. Uh, so so yeah. I mean, I also personally I have a whole thing of like you know if it does yellow, then that means everyone's yellows, which means that's just what that star saber is, uh, which sucks for mm-hmm. it sucks for a lot of folks, but like. At the end of the day, in five years from now, it's going to be like, yeah, I have a Star Saber. It's yellowed because they all are. And, like, that's kind of the piece I've, I have with it <laughs> if the worst-case scenario happens. Uh, but obviously, that's not going to work for everybody. Um, but, yeah, I thought I thought it was great that you were able to directly apply that because uh, those conversations mm-hmm. can absolutely become, like, very freaky. And, and you can you can start thinking about, you know, worst-case scenarios. Uh, uh, oh, and then after uh, – so after that – um, I did want to also say we went out to the Firkin to have a, a post-con dinner and, uh, Aaron, mm-hmm. thank you so much. You, Aaron treated, uh, treated myself and, and Ray out for dinner and that was really friendly. Uh, and it, uh, it, it made the Sunday have a really nice cap on it before we, we played the, the deck builder a bit. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, the, the, the two of you left me around town and. And again, I had a bunch of extra convention cash. What the heck am I going to do with it on the Sunday evening? Like, just, 
take take care <laughs> of my friends parties. and <laughs> yeah. I did see somebody get very excited about seeing parts party on a on one of the boards. Uh, yeah, it's like oh yeah, we can do that. Yeah, bro. It's like uh, all right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Someone asked me if I was go if when I was just walking between the towers on like a Saturday night. They're like, oh, you coming from parts parties? I was like, no. But I realized now that actually is a more likely scenario than me just wanting to go and sit in the lobby. I <laughs> forgot parts parties were a thing. Uh, but uh, no, yeah, I, I didn't really do any of the parts party stuff. That that was, to me, just a bit of too close a step to rubbing elbows with people I don't know. Physically, I should say rubbing elbows, mm-hmm. not the, the whatever social nonsense. But, like, I, I didn't want to walk into someone's room and then, like, like you know, what if someone had just sneezed and there was just a cloud in the air or something? And I'm like, oh! <laughs> Uh, not to say that that happened, but just I, I had I had concerns, so I, I didn't really engage with the parts party stuff. Um, but uh, no, then on Sunday, yeah, we we played the the deck builder game, uh, just hung out a whole bunch. Sunday, I, I was was the big lobby hangout night for me, just like chilling with a whole bunch of people, um, uh, just like being silly. Uh, someone had brought uh, a craft IPA with a citrus with citrus notes in it, where there was a robot on the can. And they brought it, and they meant for people to try it. And then, uh, like maybe two of us tried it because it, it was like it was loaded up with all kinds of things that like were actually potentially dangerous for people's food allergies. Uh, and mm-hmm. then they were like, "Well, I guess I'll just go pour it out." And I kind of sat there because th- it was actually activating my problem I've had for the last two years of ciders and beers making my tongue swell a little bit. Um, but it tasted really good with the citrus notes, so foolishly at four in the morning when I went back to my room, I said, you know, I'll just take it and I'll finish it. Uh, and I did. My tongue didn't feel great. <laughs> uh, so that, that was also um, a very tired 4 a.m. decision to make. Oh, 3 a.m. actually. not. I, I was just up till four. But uh, it was also kind of my final test. I was like, okay. Do, do I just need to, like, give up on, on this style of fermentation? And that kind of told me, like, I should probably just give up on that style of fermentation. <laughs> it's not worth the tongue pain. Uh, it's 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 like a sort of tongue swell, and then it, and then I fell asleep, and then when I woke up, I had tooth marks all over my tongue, because it was bigger. And I was like, mm. well, now my tongue just hurts. So... <laughs> uh, but that was on me. That wasn't... that nothing, nothing there was anyone's influence. That was just me, like, wanting to do a test, and now I've done it. Um, but it also tasted good. And then, uh, yeah, Aaron, you, you took off, uh, earlier in the morning. I think you left the hotel about 15 minutes before I woke up, uh, going by Twitter. Okay. And, uh. Yeah, I, uh, my goal was to get up and get on the road and get moving, um, just because it's, you know, it's nine hours of drive plus whatever customs ends up being and, yeah. and back across and just travel, travel, travel. So I tried to. Tried to get a lot earlier start than what I did. Um, Ray and I's room, and I don't know if it's all the rooms at that hotel or just ours in particular was really bad about, but I think that the thermostat had some sort of motion detector thing coupled to it. So, like, one or the other of us, like, I I know that multiple times I woke up rather sweaty and warm and would be like, ah! oh, you know, that, like, lunge, lunge yourself awake a little bit. Just like... Like consciousness drifts up enough and then reacts and then like that motion. And then you'd hear the AC kick on. And then, you know, a minute or two later, you'd really feel the cool air going. So I don't know if it was just like 
oh, oh, this room in the middle of the night, nobody's moving, so nobody must be in it. So I'm just going to default to eh, whatever mode, and then the reaction um, and the the motion. I, I will just to trigger a motion sensor. I will confirm my room was not like that. That would have driven me nuts. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that that's cool, uh, or warm, depending on <laughs> your outside temperature. So, um, yeah. So that was that was part of it. Was like I was hadn't slept great. the 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 pillows that time was like was like one pillow was too thin and two pillows were too thick. And so it was just not quite the best sleeping the whole time for a convention. Like I slept Mm. because I was tired and it worked. Um, But it wasn't like a, ah, I get to go to bed now type of like significant sleeping event. So, um, yeah, so it was up early and on the road and there was, there was nobody in the lobby. It was like Ray and I walking out and just i was cuz normally leaving tfcon there's like two or three people that are either still up or have also gotten up earlier and are doing whatever loadout as well and you're like oh hey i didn't get to spend enough time with you see you next time and we'll we'll just totally hang out more next time you know the those those promises that you make that you never follow through with um type of thing and it was just like nope i'm just loading everything up to my car okay all right kind of walk back in and around and nope nobody's here at all all right well i'm a hit the road then and then I, I said something. Having checked Twitter, I, I got I, like four or five messages that were like, "Oh yeah, we just missed you" or something. I was like, "Well, you should have been up ten minutes earlier, jackass." Um, yeah, ge- genuinely having checked Twitter, I think that you actually like. I think you just you woke up fifteen minutes before literally everyone else. <laughs> is yeah. what I, the impression I got. So maybe that's the plan for the future, just to, <laughs> to get out of there. Uh, you use Twitter, Facebook, and whatever else to. Li- let him know that the love's there, but I'm not dealing with yeah. it. I got miles to go. I, all, all I remember was at some point in your journey, I know you'd said in, in on Twitter, I think in, in their DM, that uh, the border was a parking lot, and I was like, oh boy. Uh, yeah, it's... So I did Blue Water Bridge coming back, and that one invariably has... It, they have, like, three lanes for um, paying the toll, and it's a human being there to pay the toll. It's You don't even have like a swipe slash tap a card or throw a handful of change into a bucket. You've got to like hand your card to somebody. And, and the lady, so like I hand her my card and she has the, the, the machine out. And she's like, you can just tap it. I'm like, no, it's an American card without the, without the just tap it thing. She's like, no, you can just tap it. So I tapped the card that I know doesn't have the tap chip on it a couple times. And she's like, huh, why isn't this working? It's like, because I need to use the chip part of it that's in your hand. And she's like, oh. There's no technology in here. Oh, it's one of those cards. Okay. (laughs) And I was like, I understand. I'm like, I I wish this was one of the cool tap cards, but it's not. So just like, like I know what I need to do. And then Um, get across, go over and get across the bridge. And then again, it was like stopped for customs. And it was like customs had four lanes, three or four lanes open for cars. And they had two packs of dudes with a dog running back in between cars the whole time. And I'm like, Ugh, Ugh. they're on some high alert. Some some Somebody told them that some guy is trying to bring some of that Canadian weed across the border to another state where it's legal, but whatever. And they're like <laughs> walking dogs back and forth and doing all this stuff. And I just like... Rolled up, I hand my 
passport to the guy, and he's like, where are you coming from? And I was like, oh, it was a Transformers convention in Mississauga. He's like, okay, hands me my passport back, and the, the arm goes up. I was like, what? What? Really? That's it? Okay. <laughs> Got the heck out of there. And then it was just a lot of road to get home. I like I like the idea that the, the legalized state was just aggro, because they're like, you ain't taking our business. We just yeah. figured out how to tax this. Yes. <laughs> It's the fe- it's the feds right there in a line um, <laughs> between the place where it's legal and the place where it's legal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, what was I going to say? Um, on uh, what was it? I, I I on Sunday morning I had never done the or over over the whole convention I never actually had breakfast any single day. I just had granola bars and pepperoni sticks because that's what I had with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so on Sunday morning I actually once I once I realized that like check out. I thought checkout was going to be at 11, and I thought that the breakfast buffet was going to close at 11. So I was trying to figure out, like, okay, I can run down there if I take a shower, and I can actually use the breakfast buffet. And then when I got to the breakfast buffet, someone told me checkout's actually at noon. And then I, was, I just got so relaxed all of a sudden. So I, I, actually, I actually used the breakfast buffet. I did a, I did a double plater, and I did uh, the My Mom's Special, which is grab, uh, I'd say, two fistfuls of bacon to cram between two slices of toast that you then wrap in a napkin and stick smuggle out of the buffet um which mm-hmm. i did i just took one of, i took the napkin because it's you know those were cloth napkins but they also have i used to feel weird about it that my mom's the one who told me like they have a million of them back there they they mm-hmm. it's it's actually okay so i smuggled i smuggled myself a big bacon sandwich for later in the day and i had and then i had a whole bunch of breakfast there um Went up and leisurely packed. Uh, I needed actually a little bit of decompress because I was super tired. Because I just, like I said, I wasn't sleeping longer than about five hours at a time. Uh, and then uh, I, I just kept packing. And then noon rolled by, and I was like, "Oh darn, I'm not done packing. I'll just keep packing." I didn't finish packing till like twelve forty-five, but I never had a knock at the door. <laughs> so I was like, "Okay, whatever. This is well, yeah, because they because they never cl- came to clean your room unless you went and begged them for it." Yeah, and I tried to. I was gonna call them, and then my the phone. I literally I couldn't find a button on that phone that worked. I think the phones got cacked by the the Rogers thing. Uh, Pro- probably. I mean, that was one of the high points of of the convention was seeing like three armed guards at the one ATM between the two lobbies or between the two towers, yeah. with one of them holding a phone to the other one who was like elbow deep into the guts of the ATM, manually reprogramming it. So. <laughs> Uh, you know, that I, I, I bet that the last week has been a lot of people having to go through and manually reset things or say, what, who, why would you ever need to, to have the reset code for this thing? It just automatically updates. <laughs> oh, what's that? The update ate its own face and now it can't connect <laughs> to anything. Um, how do you do a hard reset on this? Okay. Um, ATM version oh, of control, I'll th- delete th- 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 <laughs> yeah, that software is so old that even after a hard reset, it doesn't know how to find anything because we've gone through four complete updates of versions before. So somebody's got to roll out the 2012 firmware to push a new update to get to the 2017 firmware to push to the current one. Oh no, you pushed to the bad one. We got to start all over again with a dude elbow deep in something. Uh yeah, I, I hope that whoever it is pushed the wrong stuff for Rogers got a stern talking to. Not a not a box <laughs> with the stuff in it, because, you know, accidents are how you learn, and he won't make that mistake again. But I hope he got after it, after the major fires were, were put out. 
I hope that he and his supervisor and his supervisor's supervisor were all in a room and just just staring at him, just like one hand just like just like rubbing you the lips and the other guy's just like I mean Greg, you I mean, this this wasn't your first no, it wasn't your first day. I mean you've 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 been here for a while now. That's why we, you know, gave you the keys to that system. Did you I mean, I guess it's it's fixed. This is this is my hope. How about you take a week off? This is my hope. Is that they sat down with Greg? And this is this is my hope. This is the, we don't know the cause, right? This is my hope. Is they're like, okay, Greg, mm-hmm. uh, we just want to know who told you to push that update. And then he says, oh, it was my supervisor. And then everyone looks to their right, and a guy who was real smug sitting mm-hmm. there suddenly goes like, wait, what? No, what? No, what? And they're like, <laughs> you you told him to push an update on a Friday. And it, I, just, I want the swerve. I want the swerve where the guy who said do it Friday because mm-hmm. he was like, whatever, I just want to get this. I, w- I don't want to wait till next week. I, I, I got a movie to see on the weekend, blah, blah, blah. I want that guy to be the one who got it. Yeah. I want this. I want the, the one level up guy who said do it Friday. Uh, I want the swerve. That or whoever that guy or that troubleshooter was is on one of those weird like, oh, I work, you know, odd hour. You know, I work a 410 schedule, so I get a three-day weekend every time. And, you know, he in Cancun or something so that's why he wasn't there to be like no it's it's control shift e f8 and you would have fixed it why how do you not know this it's like well nobody no it's 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 in the notepad document that shared as a in case of emergency why didn't you look at that well that system was down too well that's because the network went down (laughs) uh but no, after I did, you know, pop my keys into the uh, into the bin that they give you to put your keys in, uh, the little gold box, mm-hmm. I went and sat down in the lobby for a bit. Uh, I, was, I was texting with uh, with uh, our mutual friend Matt, and then uh, figured out, like, Matt was, was basically saying he had a bunch of errands to do, but uh, if I didn't mind tagging along for some of them, I could just snack, snag a ride home since I just had a suitcase and a duffel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, hey, absolutely, because I, I have nothing else to do today, and, and Matt's cool. So I'm, uh, I hung out with Matt a little bit, basically in the car. Um, and then I uh, got home and had my, had my bacon sandwich. Cause I got home, I got tweeted this. I got home and we're like, Oh, back in the bunker, open my fridge. I have no groceries back out into the world. <laughs> but I, I had my bacon sandwich. And then instead of going out for groceries, I ordered in some pizza. Cause I was like, I'm, I don't want to walk around right now. <laughs> I'm just going to stay in here. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, so at the end of the day, uh, last thing really to touch on is, uh, I guess, convention hall stuff. We, we mentioned things here and there. Mine's very small. Uh, I got uh, that New Age Action Master Thundercracker, uh, and uh, it's it's a pretty cool toy that is 105 Canadian because New Age got that fan's toys bug in their ear to paint everything too much, <laughs> is what I call it. Um so, and in this case, also, he comes with a, a chunk of a space bridge, because apparently every one of their Seekers comes with a piece of space bridge, and if you have, like, eight of them, you can make the space bridge ring, but that also means you have spent probably $800 on Seekers, um, which I'm not going to do. At, and at that point, the space bridge probably ought to work. The, so the, the big bummer is, it doubles as, as the base for a flight stand, which is cool. It's also coated in metallic 
purple baking paint. The, the word, the phrase baking paint has become a cuss word in my ear after watching New Age's Facebook page long enough. But they, they, they got that fan mm-hmm. bug, so everything has baking paint, and there's what I would call superfluous diecast uh, in pocket, for pocket scale toys in the feet. Uh, and it means that this toy is 105 bucks Canadian when, like, with some of those bells and whistles trimmed back, I genuinely believe would be closer to, like, 70 or 80. Uh, but still, if I forget about all that, it is a really cool toy in some of my favorite colors ever. Um, I also picked up that Iron Factory Soundwave, uh, who has the cool uh, PlayStation 1 truck mode uh, that looks like a polygon monstrosity in a way that I really like. Um, he has a tape deck mode as well with two dedicated little panels designed just for it, which somehow makes me more critical of it than if it was just him folding into a rectangle. Uh, the fact that there are u- like unique panels just for that mode means that I'm, now I'm looking at how the back of that mode is a sea of nothing. Um, but the robot mode is good. I think the truck mode is actually really cool. Um, so I'm happy enough with them, especially, you know, for 50 bucks. And then I picked up the, one of the exclusives, the, uh, the Mastermind, um, Shattered Glass Optus, uh, Promenon, um, who kind of, I was, I was, you know, a little bummed out when I got home on Monday and I was like, I'm going to open up that Optus Promenon because I, I opened him at the show just to make sure he had all his parts. So I opened him up and I start to mess with him. And I'm like, why is the left shoulder so locked? And then it wasn't moving. And I'm like, there's no sliding. I, I thought there might have been a sliding part I forgot about. But then I was like, no, there's no sliding part here. And then I noticed that, like, something was just not right. So I figured out how to disassemble the shoulder pad. And I discovered that mine had two right inner shoulders and thus did not have his left inner oh, no. shoulder. And it is an asymmetrical piece that is very specifically shaped. So I that it bummed me out cuz i was it was the first thing i opened i'm like i'm going to finally mess cuz i have i have the red and blue version i love that figure i was like i'm going to mess with this shattered glass one that's mm-hmm. got all the extra bits and bobs and then i couldn't because his left arm literally doesn't work uh so i i, I sent a message through ages 3 and up's website um and you know worst case i can i can poke around here and there i'm sure i'll get it fixed up but Boy was boy yeah. did not, not not help the post convention blues to get home and go like oh I'm gonna mess with <laughs> oh this doesn't work either the whole yeah. world sucks that's, <laughs> that's the one after seeing a couple people play with it, it's like man I really should have grabbed one and then Sunday first thing I was there and it's like nope we were way at, sold out of them on on Saturday you know normally they I I think normally they like to hold a few back uh, for the Sunday mm-hmm. crowd but they're like nope was all gone so tough tacos so. Yeah, I probably would have ended up, ended up with a busted one. The uh, the upside of all so this. Thanks for following on that. Uh, no worries, no worries. I'm here to help. Uh, the the upside of all this is that I actually was really pleasantly surprised uh, how I know it's not intentional because I I know for a fact that these companies actually don't really like it if you start disassembling toys to figure out what's going on because a lot of a lot of people I, I agree can just end up breaking the toy worse, trying to open it up and figure out what's up. Mm-hmm. But I, I really like this because I just had to use a spudger. I could detect where the screw hole cover was, and it's very firmly in there, but with a spudger, it's actually not that hard to very safely and cleanly lever out. And then it's just three screws to open the shoulder pad, and I could I could then get a look at what that inner shoulder piece actually looks like from all sides. Because I thought maybe I can just flip it around, but no, you can't just flip it around. Uh, there's sculpted detail on one side. It's asymmetrically shaped in every way possible. Uh, so you have to have the right one in there. Um, so hopefully I can get that all fixed up. Uh, in fact, I really hope I can because that was a $150 figure. But um, 
other than that, like those those were my gets. Uh, other than um, some stuff that was uh, arranged beforehand, Aaron, you uh, were able to to snag off of a target the the core Rodimus and the buzzworthy blue streak mm-hmm. for me, which I really appreciate. I gotta I, we gotta sort that stuff out. Did you, um, did you still owe me for? Yes, I also owe you twenty five bucks for food and for five dollars cash to deal with someone paying me with American money and me needing to figure out Canadian change for American money. Yep. Uh, and yep. then uh, McNally had some uh, some Power Rangers stuff and a uh, a Road Rage um, because I did I okay. did want I did want a copy of that mold, but I wanted it to be Road Rage because even though it's a kind of bunk mold, I like Road Rage enough that I was like I'm still down with this for Road Rage. Uh, and I messed with it a bit. That's the one that actually got ejected during the media panel for the axe smithing. Uh, and I, 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 mm-hmm. I'm not going to say thankfully because that would have been the negative review amidst all those. <laughs> it got it got ejected. Yeah. Because uh, boy, <laughs> I'm just I'm just glad that mold just got no playtime. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's not good. Um, <laughs> it's like I you know I've heard so all the stories about it. But, like, it is still real different to actually mess with it in person. Um, just the fact, like, the, some of those tab slots, you look at the tabs and you're just like, these aren't tabs. These are growths. These are bruises. Like, the, the, there's no grip on these. They just happen to, to be little raised areas. How is this ever going to grip onto this? Uh, and it, it is a shame because, like, I think the design is actually really good. I just don't know what happened to the uh, friction tolerances in the legs because... It's it's it is a mess. Uh, Road Rage does I think look the best of the two, um, and her robot mode is kind of one of the draws for me. And like, I know there are ways you can kind of just bind those legs together. And and on, I will say on Road Rage, the legs do lock together, just not very well. Um, I know that for tracks there were cases where it's like you didn't even get to that point. Um, so so Road Rage was an improvement I think over potentially tracks, but. Uh, yeah, now you know. Now I know. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I think I think that hits everything. Uh, so I think that that does bring us to the end of the show. Um, I don't. I don't get to talk about my gets. Oh, sorry. I, I so here's here's the checklist in my head. Oh, Aaron talked about his double driver. Holy crap! Me, me, me. Sorry. Me. So, someone is just trying to rev Aaron, up. Aaron, I guess. Someone's dirt biking outside, and that gave me a legit IRL jump scare. Um, <laughs> that was really loud. Yeah, so in my brain, I was going to say, I checkmarked, yeah, yeah, Aaron talked about the double driver, and Aaron talked about the Optus, uh, the Optus Promenade, so we're all done. But no, you bought other things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, so, like, what's my normal TFCon gets? I got a bunch of Iron Factory stuff. Um, so I got the... The, uh, their their power glide, their scourge that opens up a box of craziness because there's like four scourges in that box and you could get more scourges, but then you'd have more heads and shoulder pads and weapons and then just you, go you down. You understand the problem, right? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, everyone's like, oh, uh, just buy three more scourges. And it's like, and then just have a giant yeah. bag of heads and shoulders? Like- <laughs> bag of faces, yeah. That's That's how you do it. Um, and then also their Galvatron and their Cyclonus. Mm-hmm. So I kind of have that 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 movie trio out of those. Um, and then I also picked up uh, TFCC's Scourge uh, from the the um, the mail away stuff that they were doing. Um, 
I think mm-hmm. really that's that's it for for what hey, I thanks got. Thanks for supporting the club. Yeah, you know, as a, as a true fan, thanks yeah. thanks for supporting the Collectors Club. Yeah, uh, that was that was in that first year before they went really off the rails, right? Oh uh, yeah, that was year one. I forget. Yeah, I, f- I forget where they went just deep into like the super deep cuts, and people were like, "Hey, maybe not quite so." So deep of cuts to to finish out a a, a line or a thing that got otherwise kind of skipped over by Hats. No, okay, all right, cool. Uh, yeah, right. Um, but yeah, I uh, I did want to say I felt I felt a little bad because I I think I I I did a lot of work to talk you into the 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 full trio from the movie for from Iron Factory, mm-hmm. uh, and and. Like I knew Cyclonus was like of the three probably the weirdest one to mess with, but I felt a little bit bad because I know you you popped him open and you you ran into uh, the probably the hardest I've seen that toy bounce off someone while they were messing with it for the first time. Uh, in the transformation, I should say, trying to get him to the to the jet mode. Yeah, it, uh I mean, it, it's an interesting look. Um, just. It's the, the problem when you get that small is a little bit of off tolerance really pushes it out far. So, mm-hmm. um, eh, it's a it's a thing. Yeah, I I also completely missed you got the power glide. <laughs> uh, I've been I've yeah. been curious about that one. I I opened it up and I posed it a little bit and I put it back in the in the package. So, yeah, it's oh I also got two of their flight stands. They're compatible flight stands. So, oh right right um. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I wish that like Iron Factory stuff is the stuff I would have bought more of. I think if I had some more cash, uh, if I if I'd been able to flip a few mm-hmm. more things uh, before the show, because um, it it was fun to see all that stuff laid out there. Uh, it was that, and uh, I was jealous of Ray getting the um, Magic Square Devastator because uh, of of the the little Devastators. That one is right up my alley as far as some of the decisions made. Um, and it's on, it's on my mm-hmm. very long want list. It's just like, it's very expensive to just like grab all of it. And I was like, Oh, I, I, I want to go piecemeal. So I know I'm getting a little, you know, shots of serotonin here and there. But, uh, I, I was, mm-hmm. I had the jelly on that one. Um, but yeah, was there, was there anything else? Uh, or was that about it? Um, we got you to, t- got you to try Tokyo kitchen. I'm considering that part of the hole. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that was that was good. Yeah, I think I think overall, I think it was um, generally a pretty strong show. It was obviously a real big return to form um, for a lot of folks. The December show was a low key affair to kind of like just like you know stretch the muscles a little bit. Um, but I, I think generally the show went pretty well. And like we said at the top, like it seems like so far, knock on wood, everything went about as well as you could hope. Um, for a, a show like that this year, uh, and uh, yeah, Aaron, um, I'm I'm looking forward to the next time you're able to come by town because uh, it's it, it it's also just cool to hang out with friends in town. Uh, it was it was really neat. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was definitely something that I didn't think that I needed nearly as much as I did, and I would have been perfectly fine with a weekend of us just like the three of us just farting around Toronto and doing nothing. So instead, yeah. we farted around a very small, specific area of Toronto and really ultimately did nothing. So yeah, um, 
Uh, and uh, and the the one thing that like and this like I mentioned this before, but with you especially, like we didn't get to play the TCG together. Uh, yeah, and I didn't. I I won a set of the TCG Wave Six. Didn't play any of the TCG. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you got in on the on the raffle, uh, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like like and again, it was for good reasons. It's because I ended up. Not just me, but all three of us ended up being so busy teaching the game. Uh, so it's the best reason to have not had enough time to play with everyone we wanted to play. But uh, I also felt bad because you'd, you'd had those uh, booster boxes with you, and then we just couldn't find the spot to fit it in to do to, to pop one open, do some two pack. Um, yeah, yeah, that was the thing. I was I was trying to figure out a way to do that or to do something for the TCG room, and it just like things weren't lining up and it was really kind of like if I'd really been thinking about it, you know, I, I probably should have like reached out to you or Bill Moo much earlier and said, Hey, I've got these couple of boxes. Do you have ideas? Because I was even like, uh, there's a part of me that's like, you know, Hey, I'd love to just drop these down and let people do two player turbo with it. And if a super rare comes up or, or one of the few cards that I still need out of that wave, I'll refund the cost of your two packs for your game of, of two player turbo. And I keep those cards or something along those lines. Um, yeah. Like, like so it's, it's not so much like you're, they get enjoyment. Yeah. It's, it's less that you're, you're buying the packs and more like, I want to open my booster box in a way where we have maximum enjoyment and fun and serotonin. Uh, but also if you pull a thing, I right. need it's mine and just have like the list sitting there. Like, yeah. <laughs> I kind of like that idea. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe maybe I'll I'll try and figure something out like that for Chicago or or Toronto next year or something just to like because I I want enjoyment out of it because it's you know at this point they're not actually making them in that format anymore so it's mm-hmm. it's a it's of a limited resource and I could just go friggin' booster junkie and go in there and just <laughs> and just rip them all open and 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 snort the 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 whatever the lacquer fumes off of it but uh i'd rather i'd rather share that experience with people um and and go from there. i'm curious if my luck would spread to you if we did open them up and it's just like you open both booster boxes and all your super rares it's just like it's two more night racers <laughs> yeah because i i did it i did do probably so i should probably do it at chicago when you're not there okay <laughs> well also also what i'll say night racer one of the most valuable super rares of the way five super rares so it's not a it's not a bad thing. It's just it's less exciting. Uh, in fact, yeah. the, it's not a curse, but the pattern continued. I did a fairly, I did one major trade with someone who was looking for stuff, and I had a bunch of cards, and it involved us trading mm-hmm. a super rare, and or you know each putting in a super rare. Um, so I traded a super rare and a bunch of stuff, and I, I traded for a night racer because <laughs> that was the spare <laughs> super rare they had. So I was like, I was a little bit because they said, "Oh, I have a way five super rare dupe," and I was like, "Oh, sweet." And then they're like, yeah, it's Night Racer. And I was like, yeah, cool, I'll do the trade. And then in my head I was like, because this was a whole bunch of cards they didn't have. And so I was like, this is good for them. Okay. But I was like, yeah. I'm up to th- I'm up to three Night Racers. <laughs> uh, and, I, and I have been hanging on to them because I, like, I got, now I have two Night Racers and an Octone. That's three still very expensive cards that I'm hoping to just trade for some of the Wave 5 Super Rares I need. Um. But because I like I like the feeling of trades more than trying to like sell a card for cash. It just it feels more it feels more more not honest, but yeah. it's more fun. But I am very set on on those super mm-hmm. rares being like these have to be for Wave Five super rares or or Galaxy Prime. Uh, and even then, it's it's more the Wave Five super rares. I'm worried about. 
Um, but yeah, the, 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 the pattern did actually still continue. And I did also dole out quite a few cards, which felt pretty good. Um, just like, you know, I was like, here's, I have a bunch of rares, commons, uncommons. Like if you're missing, especially wave five, if you're missing any characters, just have a dig through. And, uh, it seemed like that was helpful for a lot of folks. Um, and uh, that's, that's the best feeling is when all of my, my dupes that I keep meticulously organized, when that means people can actually find the stuff that they are looking for as well. And, uh, you know, I can help fill in some gaps. That feels great. Um, anyway, I think that's about all we got for TFCon Toronto 2022. Uh, it was a very fun time, and uh, and also like like Aaron said, I feel like uh, I kind of needed some of that energy, especially the tabletop mm-hmm. gaming. That was that was so fun. Uh, I'm I'm I hope we can keep doing that stuff. Um, it's gonna be hard. To, it was already hard to resist this time. It's always gonna be hard to resist going like, well, what ten games can I bring with me? Because like we're gonna play maybe two, so we gotta keep it under control. Yeah, but. Nonetheless, um, thanks for joining me, uh, Aaron. Thanks to everyone for listening. And uh, we'll be back to some regularly scheduled uh, chatting about Transformers and news and less about conventions. Unless conventions become the news. Who knows? It can happen. Uh, either way. Mm-hmm. or Sorry, go ahead, Aaron. I, I mm-hmmed. Oh, okay, okay. We got that on the record. Either way, um, stay safe out there. Um you know, having come off of seeing a whole bunch of friends, I'm going to say it with some heartfeltedness. I, with renewed vigor, demand your survival. You better be here next time, because boy, have I got a cool thing to show you. It's this hot new tabletop game I got called Oh No, So You've Just Been Eaten, where you can play, it, it lists the player count as 0 to 2, because you can just have two blocks play Get me, but you got some badass perpetrators now here to stay. <laughs>